Hello, my name is Xavier Mercado, and this is Spearhead Conversations. Hello, my name is Xavier Mercado, and this is Spearhead Conversations. Today, I am joined by special guest, Kyle Olson. Since a young age, Kyle Olson has had a passion for telling stories. When he was just 14 years old, he started his own production company. At age 15, Kyle won his first award at a film festival for the documentary on the inauguration of President George W. Bush. At age 30, Kyle won his first Emmy Award for a World War II documentary called The Last Signal. To date, Kyle has clocked thousands of hours working on some of the biggest television shows and movies in the industry. And I am excited to welcome here today, the one and only Kyle Olson. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Greetings. How's it going, man? Been good. Been good. It's been a long time, man. I'm, I'm happy you finally, <laughs> finally, we've, we can talk. It's, ah, man, 15 years is a long it's time. It's been a long it has been a very long time. Yeah, it's crazy that now we're we're recording this almost to the date, 15 years from when I first moved to Los Angeles, which makes me feel old. <laughs> man, and thinking about that, man, um, we're, we're from South Milwaukee. We're Rockets. And your career has, since then has, has just blasted off. Like, holy cow, man. <laughs> Seeing you all, yeah. <laughs> Just seeing you all over, just plastered. I'm just like, wow, inspiration. Most definitely inspiration. Well, thank you, man. Yeah, it's been it's been good. It's been busy, uh, but it's also been a lot of fun. It's been really, really cool. So yeah. uh, I'm excited to kind of talk through some of that today. I'm I'm thrilled to to be joining you for this. This is very cool. Yeah. Do you still keep in uh, contact with any friends from high school, or it's kind of been uh, just your journey? A few. Yeah, I, I I definitely keep in touch with a few. You know, it's really hard because I I'm one of the odd ducks out, right? Like statistically speaking, the amount of people when 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 we look at a graduating class from where we graduated at South Milwaukee High School, yeah. Traditionally speaking, I think it's like ninety to ninety five percent will always stay in Wisconsin or even more specifically within southeastern Wisconsin for pretty much the their entire lives, right? Yeah. So there's only like a small small percentage that actually leave the state and. For from what I understand, uh, I know the school district years ago did like a survey on this. Um, of the small percentage that actually leaves Wisconsin after graduating, three yeah. uh, percent, or sorry, uh, of the yeah three. So if there's five percent that actually leave the state. Yeah, three percent that leave the state will re at some point return back to Wisconsin. So we're only talking about really statistically. 2% yeah. of our graduating high school class that will leave Wisconsin and stay out of Wisconsin, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is, you know, it, it's a low number, right? It's just, yeah. it's kind of, yeah, I think it's a lot with, you know, where we grew up, small town, you know, family and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I definitely stay in touch with some people that I was closer with in high school, but, you know, a as is with anything, when you move to a completely new place, far, far away from yeah. where you once were, Inevitably, that just brings about, you know, uh, a distance that, you know, not just a physical one, but just, you know, it, it becomes harder to stay in touch with people, right? For so sure. uh, a lot of those friendships that I had in high school that were lovely friendships just kind of faded away, you know, yeah, um, and and I think, you know, nothing ill of that was, you know, to, to yeah, blame. No. It was just 
life, life, right? You know, we all go and do life, you know? So, yeah. Man, yeah. Um, Well, I just recently, well, after high school, I moved to New York. Well, I attempted to move to New York because that's uh, originally where my whole family's from. Um, Okay. South Bronx. So I tried that. It just didn't work out. So I ended up moving back. But um, I stuck around South Milwaukee. I just recently moved to, I moved to Milwaukee, but across the street is Greenfield. Do you get what I mean? Okay. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. You're I'm, right there. I'm right yeah. there. But uh, all this whole time, <laughs> I've still been in South Milwaukee. I've still kept in touch. Um, names yeah. like Danielle Peacecheck, Jake Weinberg. Um, that's really yeah. my little small circle. But yeah, it's right, yeah. man. Um, well, yeah, dude, it's <laughs> awesome to hear from you, man. And uh, I appreciate you uh, coming on. So um, let's dive in. Absolutely. Let's dive in. Shall now. we? Uh, so Kyle. Tell me about your childhood growing up, as well as what uh, what elementary did you go to? Okay, so I I went to E.W. Luther Elementary. Um, as you might recall, there were like four elementary schools in South Milwaukee. Yeah. I was at E.W., um, which uh, happened to be the second closest to my house. I actually grew up near Lakeview. Uh, I was really <laughs> close to Lakeview, like walking distance from Lakeview. Um, but um, my dad had done a lot of work in the schools and was very familiar with the teaching staff at For EW. Sure. And so he had said, I would rather you go somewhere where like, I know some of the people because I just know they're going to take care of you and you know, you'll, you'll have a good education and nothing against the teachers at Lake. Yeah. He was just familiar with those. Right. Um, and so that's how I ended up at EW. Um, and yeah, I mean, childhood growing up, you know, I'm sure in a lot of ways, uh, was very similar and in, obviously in some ways very different, um, from what you experienced. But like, you know, I grew up a few blocks from the lake, so I spent a lot of time hanging out in Grant Park, hanging out at the lake. Um, I growing up, I was constantly on my bike. And, you know, the beauty of a a town like South Milwaukee that you don't get in a place like Los Angeles is you can just be a kid and ride your bike around and like you're not going to get run over, you know, like you can just... (laughs) Sure. You know, there, there's not really traffic to worry about in a town like South Milwaukee, right? Um, so that was uh, something that I didn't realize then was such a cool thing. But now looking back at it, it was like, oh man, that was those were the days, right? You know what? The, uh, so fu- that was cool. You know what the funny part about that is? Is that I went to Lakeview. <laughs> did you really? Yeah, I graduated uh, in Mr. Costello's class. Uh, I don't. Uh, did you- oh, okay, yeah, Leah Costello's uh, yeah. dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. We graduated yeah, with daughter. Yeah, um, Guy Costello. Yeah. But um, yeah, good old. I, I lived right there in the low income housing right there. Right. Uh, my backyard okay. was Little, By Little League. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm four or five blocks from Little League. Okay. Um, so if you go further away uh, from uh, Lakeview past yep. Little League, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could walk there in five minutes from my house. So it was, it was super close. So I spent a lot of time at Little League, spent time hanging out at like the Lakeview playgrounds and stuff like that. And then, yeah. you know, the lake was right there. And so I was constantly, you know, my friends and I, we were constantly on our bikes. We were constantly going around the city, you know, and just exploring, you know, going down by the park and, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the lagoon and all Definitely. that kind of stuff. And so, 
that was that was a lot of growing up, you know. Um, in the summers, my family and I would go out. We'd do family vacations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd go uh, a lot of times on road trips. We'd keep it close, but it was kind of cool because we could go somewhere that, like, obviously I had never been to, yeah. and you know, kind of get an educational summer. So, like, one year we'd go to South Dakota and we'd see Mount Rushmore, and that then so awesome. there'd be another summer we'd go to St. Louis and we'd see the Gateway Arch or you know whatever it was, yep. right? Uh, and so that was that was my childhood. It was going out. It was, you know, even from a young age, kind of getting out and traveling and nothing crazy, but just, you know, exploring the local kind of Midwest, if you will. Um, And uh, yeah, it was lovely. Through all those, now through all that traveling, because, you know, I'm I'm very fortunate right now. I've done... Uh, me and my wife, we we ended up buying a timeshare just with the purpose of taking one big uh, vacation a year. So I I, I yeah. totally, that's awesome. That's the type of ch- childhood I'm trying to bring up with my own children. But uh, th- yeah. throughout all those uh, those journeys um, of traveling, what were your hobbies? Like, what did you like to do? Oh man. Um, <laughs> So growing up, um, and I don't know if all these hobbies necessarily relate to traveling, but some do, some don't. Um, I, I, I was always going to the movies. I was watching movies constantly. Um, TV was obviously a big thing. You know, you remember the nineties, you remember, you know, the station we were glued to as kids. This was before (laughs) streaming. This was back when you remember the South Milwaukee blockbuster, uh, that was place to go as a kid, right? Like that was, I would get on my bike and I would go to Blockbuster and I would rent a movie once a week. And at one point they had like the Blockbuster movie club. So I would go there and I would get my movie every week and I'd make sure to bring it back and I had to rewind it, you know, the whole, the whole Blockbuster experience. Right. And so that was a huge hobby for me was like watching movies and, you know, just kind of absorbing entertainment in that kind of facet. Um, I collected pogs. I had like all these little, like, you know, bizarre collections. all these kids. <laughs> remember pogs. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 all the kids were collecting Pokemon cards. I never got into Pokemon cards. I was always about pogs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now like, who knows where that collection went, but, um, but really my, my, my biggest like hobby was taking pictures. It was, uh, it, it, I always had, a camera in my hand. Anytime we would travel, like if you look back and I have them still to this day, I digitized the entire collection fairly recently. It was a COVID project that I did when we were all stuck at home is I would go on these vacations and when we go to Mount Rushmore and we'd go to the mall of America and you know, whatever, I would always take a camera along back in the day. This was a film camera. Uh, and, and I would go out and I would take pictures and some of those pictures, Oh boy. Like this was, you know, early, (laughs) early Kyle photography. These were not great. (laughs) These were not great photos, Xavier. Uh, but then as, as time went on, then I developed an eye and I started to kind of figure out that like, Oh, this composition looks good. And some of that was like my dad kind of hobbied in photography. So he would kind of help me a little bit, but a lot of it to be completely honest was just trial and error. You know, the more you do something, the more you learn. Right. And, and that was what it was. So like when it comes to like hobbies and specifically like the travel hobbies, that was it. It was photography. You know, and, and that obviously grew yeah. as time went on. Oh, definitely. <laughs> um, it's it, it's 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 crazy to to think back just that that starting point of just a, a camera in your hand and then it, yep. eventually what it evolved to be. What is your earliest your earliest memories of finding that type of passion 
Uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, it definitely was with the camera in hand for sure. For sure um, yeah. And a lot of this real, re- a lot of this really sparked in elementary school at EW Luther. Um, I remember I, I, <laughs> for better or worse, I was the odd duck out in elementary school. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, like, you know, no other kids were walking around with cameras in elementary school. Yep. That wasn't a thing. <laughs> um, it's probably still not a thing. It's only a thing now because like kids have phones in school, but like we didn't oh, have cell sure. phones in school. Like we didn't do that. Nope. Right. And so back then I had a film camera that I would take to school and, and I still have all these photos and it's like people that you and I all know. And, yeah. you know, uh, I, I would take pictures of them and it was for everything. It was, you know, at Halloween time, we'd carve pumpkins and I went and I took a bunch of pictures of all the pumpkins we carved. And then at Christmas time, when they had the Christmas, uh, um, concerts, yep. I would take pictures of all of us in our Christmas suits and like all that <laughs> kind of stuff. Right. And, and then when we graduated, uh, in fifth grade, I would take all these pictures then. So like that was, that was definitely a huge part of it. And then I think the other part of it was as I was growing up, uh, and, and especially in those first few years in elementary school, I started to realize that I had an interest and a passion for the industry, for entertainment, as it were, yeah. and specifically film and TV. And so I don't know if you know this story, but um, when I when, when I was in fifth grade, um, everybody was kind of, you know, prepping because they had like the big fifth grade graduation at the end of that year. For sure. And for us, this was the year 2000. So it's like a very big deal. We were the, you know, graduating elementary school class of yeah. 2000. And that was special. And, double zero, know, Y2K. Baby. Yeah, that's right. Double zero, Y2K. And uh, it was really interesting because uh, I I knew then that like I was extremely passionate and interested in getting into the entertainment industry. And something about me that's always kind of been there is I've always like from that young age been career driven, right? Like yeah. I'm taking pictures and I'm I'm expecting in the fifth grade that my picture is going to make it at national geographic. And like, I'm disappointed when they ignore my letter, you know? And so, (laughs) and so what I did in fifth grade was I started sending letters to celebrities and I would send letters to basically anybody that was big at the time. Um, you know, Oprah was deep in her talk show. Uh, mm-hmm. this was when Rosie O'Donnell had her talk show. Wow. Uh, you know, wow. That? Yeah. Talk and so the past, <laughs> right. And so I started sending letters to anybody I could think of that, like my fifth grade brain thought was a big celebrity. And a lot of it was talk shows. And a lot of the reason I did that was because my mom would watch talk shows. Right. So For sure. <laughs> my mom was watching Rosie Donna. My mom watched Oprah. I, I no. sent a letter to Rosie and to Oprah. And this was again, kind of like dating ourselves here, but like really before email was pop. Like people were just starting to get websites. Right. And so I sent all these letters asking, you know, and I I basically said, I'm graduating fifth grade this year. I want to get into film and TV. Do you have advice? And also if you happen to be in town, you you're more than welcome to like swing by our (laughs) little elementary school graduation. Like come on by. Right. And so I sent this letter to a bunch of people and the, responses I got were incredible. I got so many people to write letters back. And I don't know if this would be a thing that like people could do today because of just how much the market's kind of saturated since then. But like back then this was like insane. And like Rosie O'Donnell responded and sent me like uh, an autographed headshot. And then she sent, remember she had the koosh balls on her show, like Mm -hmm. the big little fluffy balls. She sent koosh balls for our entire graduating class. There was a whole box that showed up to EW Luther one day of just all these koosh balls. And the kids were like, it was crazy. (laughs) Um, I sent letters, not just to 
celebrities, like quote unquote Hollywood celebrities, yeah. but also just people that were like mainstream at the time, yeah. um, which included sending letters to, in the year 2000, there was a huge presidential election happening. Yeah. And I sent letters to both presidential candidates, which were at the time, Al Gore and George W. Oh, and wow. George W. was so moved by my letter and also running for office at the time. And so he decided to not just respond, but send a representative to our graduation to read his letter at our fifth grade graduation. And get this, this is going to blow your mind. You already got my sent, mind blown right now. <laughs> this, 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 this is the next step. <laughs> the person he sent was working at the Wisconsin State Capitol at the time. And he was like very low on the totem pole, just kind of starting his career in politics. And he, you know, you know how it is when when you, you, you're you low on the totem pole, you get yeah. sent to the events to kind of show face and, you know, whatever, right? And so this guy came to our fifth grade graduation and read a letter from then um, presidential candidate, George W. Bush, then governor of Texas, right? Um, and the person who read the letter was a guy by the name of Scott Walker. Oh, um, who, wow. <laughs> who years later would, of course, go on Dumb. to yeah. be governor and yeah. run his own campaign. Uh, but yeah, so so that was, those were like, when you talk about like kind of the quote unquote core memories mm -hmm. For me, that was it, right? It was taking the pictures and it was reaching out to people and getting the advice and just soaking it in yeah. and knowing that like, this is the trajectory I want my life to take. And a lot of the advice that came back was the sooner you dive in, the sooner you can make it happen. And yeah. that advice stuck with me, you know, and that was it. And from that moment on, it was just, all right, nowhere to go, but up. Right. I so I would ask uh, what what kept you headstrong with your passions growing up, but it seems like wow. Do, I mean, the initiative to send letters out to try and reach out to all these names, and the fact that you you got responses, not one but more than one. Yeah, I I never knew these stories, so I'm very happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, And I'm like, right, <laughs> Scott Walker. <laughs> I think Auburn. it's funny because you know, like, there's obviously a lot of people that we graduated high school with that were in my elementary school class. And I think even a lot of them didn't know that it was happening or didn't realize it was happening. And like, obviously they were all at our fifth grade graduation, but I would be willing to bet that more than half of that class forgot that that happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> Awesome. Which is, of course, because like, you know, yeah, it's not like it was a, a a crowning achievement in our lives in fifth grade. But like, you know, it's just it was a cool little thing that happened. And that definitely like set me on a path. Right. And so that was that was the start of it all. Knowing then that I could have kind of a, a launching pad for yeah. my I don't even know if you could call it a career at that point. But for lack of a better term, um, that was it. You know, it was, yeah. it was getting that advice and that was motivating in itself that like these celebrities, these big celebrities or their assistants or whoever yeah. took the time to respond to little old Kyle Olson and little yeah. old South Milwaukee, Wisconsin, you know, yeah. made a huge impact and definitely helped chart the course. So that was Man. pretty cool. So, um, I would, another question I would have asked is when, did, when did, um, you know, and realize that you wanted to pursue, but I, I'm guessing that's fifth grade year or it was, it was a little bit fifth grade year. There was, it, there was another thing that happened in elementary school. And it's funny cause I didn't actually realize this 
until years later. Like, I think it was until I even came out to LA that I actually put this together. Um, when I was growing up, every few years, my parents would take me to Disney World in Orlando, Florida. And I don't know if you've been to Disney World, but at, at Disney World, they've got all these different theme parks. They've got Magic Kingdom, they've got Animal Kingdom, they've yeah. got Epcot. And then there's this uh, fourth park called, uh, at the time it was Disney's MGM Studios. Now they call it Disney's Hollywood Studios. And the, the whole theme of the park is filmmaking. And and in today's world uh, at Hollywood Studios, if you go, the whole idea is that you're like you can become a part of the movie, right? So they've got Toy Story Land where you like you can be a toy, yeah. and they've got Star Wars Land where you can you know be a Jedi and like all this kind of stuff. But back in the '90s, MGM Studios, which was what it was called then, was completely different, and it wasn't about being in the movie; it was making the movies. It was the magic behind making the movies. Yeah, and so. We would go every family vacation, every few years, we'd go down to Disney World and we'd go to all the parks. And the day that we would go to MGM Studios, the night before I wouldn't sleep, I'd be so excited. And then the day that we're there, like my mind is just whoa, like, whoa, like <laughs> this is how they make movies. Holy cow. Like, right. And and it yeah. was just, it was insane, right? Like it blew my mind. Yeah. And I would come home from these trips and I would, you know, we'd go to hang out with the kids at lunch and whatever. And they'd be like, oh, what'd you do today? And I was like, I went to Hollywood Studios last week. And they're like, okay. And I was like, and I saw how they made Indiana Jones. Jones. And they're like, okay. And I was like, and I learned movie magic. And they're like, okay. And, and I was like, and it's the greatest thing ever. And they're like, mm. I don't know about that. And I was like, what are you talking about? Of course, this is the greatest thing ever. What I didn't know then that yeah. I now know is that that was me realizing my passion. That was me realizing that, oh, this is something that really speaks to me. Not everybody reacts the same way to seeing a camera behind the scenes and filming something or whatever. But at the time, I just thought like, oh, my God, everybody in the world must think this is the coolest thing on earth. In reality, not everybody thinks it's a cool thing. Yeah, no. <laughs> but I did. And so that was that spoke to me. And so that was really a thing that I didn't realize was kind of subliminally happening, but was another thing that definitely kind of impacted my trajectory and like making sure that this was what I wanted to do with my career. So it was so strange because again, I didn't really realize it at the time. But as years went on, I was like, okay, this is this is yeah. all piecing itself, you know. Who um who do you say was a big inspiration to how headstrong you were with your passions? Oh gosh. Um, you know, there's, there's a number of answers to this. Yeah. Um, you know, I talked a little bit about my dad kind of, uh, dabbling with photography. He definitely helped kind of when I was getting started and, you know, as it went on, he was the one that kind of pushed me. Cause I think he saw it even before I did that. Like, not only was I enjoying it and had a passion for it, but like I was getting good at it. Fast forward a little bit for a second to high school. My freshman year, no, it was my sophomore year, my sophomore year of high school. Um, as the, like, it was the summer before sophomore year. Um, my dad comes in the door one day, he had come home for work and he's got this huge catalog. Remember catalogs? Yeah. yeah. For uh, sure. and, he came, <laughs> and he came, he came with this huge catalog and it was like this film catalog and he slaps the book on the table and he opens it up and he says, we're getting you a camera, pick which one you want on this page. 
And I was like, oh, and like, these were like nicer cameras, right? Like this was, you know, yeah. I've been using like this, you know, little like the flip videos or whatever, like, but he was like, we're going to get you a better camera because you need a better camera for what you're doing now. You need something better. And, and so he bought me what was a, I guess you could call it like a prosumer camera. Like no high school kids were filming with this camera, right? Like this was definitely like a step above and it wasn't like the studio cameras, but like it was yeah. definitely a step above. And that was huge. Like that changed the game. Right. Um, so something like that was really motivating. And like, again, just kind of the, the kick in the right direction that I didn't even realize that I needed, yeah. you know? Um, but he saw it and I'm sure my mom and dad had numerous conversations about this. And that was, you know, something that they were like, Oh, you know, here we'll, we'll continue to feed this because we see this going in a good direction, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> And then to be completely honest, you know, there's another part of it that there, there were a lot of people starting from a young age that were not so thrilled with, uh, how I was different and how I was getting attention for being different. You know, like I said earlier, like I was the guy in elementary school that walked around with a film camera that yeah. was different. That was weird. That was outside the norm. And as a result of that, I gained the attention of the teachers who thought that that was unique. And that was like, Oh, Kyle, do you want to share your film camera? And while some kids thought that was cool, some other kids didn't think that was cool. Nah. And I got picked on a lot for it. And when that happens, you start to hear things and the biggest thing you can probably hear when you're getting picked on outside of like your typical, like just insults is whatever you're trying to do. You're never going to do that. Like you yeah. can't do that. Like you're never going to be a filmmaker. You're never going to be, you know, whatever. Right. And I got to say, there is nothing in, 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 and, and I can't speak for everybody, but like for me, there is nothing more motivating than telling me I can't do something. Do something. Yeah. The second you tell me I can't do something, oh, just you watch. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm going to prove you wrong, right? I'm going to have the last laugh, <laughs> right? Yeah, and so it. that was, that that was, you know, there were a lot of incredibly influential people. My parents, of course, being some of them teachers uh, supporting the hobbies when I was growing up. But the most motivating were the people that said I couldn't do it. Oh, um, sure. Because if... If they hadn't, I don't know if I would have been as determined to prove them wrong. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. Well, good, man. Look at look at how you've blessed this world through the projects that you've done. I mean, you traveling <laughs> all over the world, it's like, holy cow. To all those students that, you know, that wanted right? to, to be like, hey, you're never going to come on. Um, <laughs> you started a film company at 14, basically when we were starting high school. Yeah, a right. year later, you won your first award for the inauguration of George W. Bush. I, before I tell you to just tell us something about that, doing that that doc, yeah, the the documentary, did yep. that have a lot to do with what he he did in the fifth grade? <laughs> you know, it's funny because to be honest, it, I'm sure it had an influence, but it really wasn't on my mind at the time. Yeah. I'm sure it had like a subconscious effect. Um, the reason I did a documentary on the inauguration of Bush was because my dad, who was a police officer for years with uh, the South Milwaukee Police Department, yeah. um, he was a motor officer. He rode the police bike around town. He was the only guy on the South Milwaukee Police Force yes. that ever rode the police motorcycle. And as a result, he'd get called a few times a year to sometimes go out uh, to Washington and do like motorcades. And so he got called to go out and help with the inauguration of 
Bush. And this was the, this was the second inauguration, um, for George W. W Um, and so uh, he had a bunch of friends that were out there. And so, um, I remember it was like half vacation and then half like kind of work trip for dad. And he was like, I'm going, do you want to come with? And, you know, I was like, well, yeah, that sounds cool. Um, and yeah, I had to get out of school for a few days and all that. But like all the teachers were like, you're going to learn more at that inauguration in three days and you're going to learn at school. So like, go, like go, go experience the inauguration. And so I went with my camera and I took a bunch of pictures and I took some videos and I was able to kind of put it into a unique perspective because it was the first inauguration that had happened since September 11th. And so it was the first event in, I think it was the first event in the nation, if memory serves correctly, that um, was classified as a national security event. So security was higher than we had ever seen historically for an inauguration. I don't know if you know this about me. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was actually in New York uh, during September 11th. Were you really? Yeah. Wow. I I actually sang to a couple of firefighters. Uh, Mariah Carey's wow. hero, and there was a funeral going on for an officer. And this is days after uh, you talking about security. We were supposed to come back the thirteenth. We didn't come mm-hmm. back until the end of the month. Yeah, right. Because you couldn't get on planes and all that. Yeah, uh, wow. Hey, it's, it's that's uh, crazy. Yeah, but yeah so. <laughs> No, so it it was it was really interesting because you know obviously the world was different, right? Yeah, like the, sure. the world had significantly changed, and perspective on security was very different. And so I kind of approached it as a just unique perspective on an inauguration from a little old guy in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, right? Yeah. And uh, and there was this film festival that had just kind of started running in Milwaukee called the Milwaukee Spotlight Film Festival, I think it was, and I submitted and really hoped that I would get something, but wasn't really expecting much because I only just started the production company. Um, my production company in high school was called Picture Perfect Studios. Um, and so I just started a year earlier. And really, the production company was not me making feature films, but it was me doing like slideshows. And it was, you know, little stuff that was just me kind of doing the craft, doing the artwork, yeah. getting it out there, learning my way as I went. I would do wedding slideshows. I would do uh, funeral slideshows. I would do birthday slideshows yeah i do all that kind of stuff and so it really put my uh my hobbies and my career trajectory in the same world as i was in high school and it made some money and i was making some quick money and i became an llc when i was in high school and like that was just kind of a thing that instead of having to go work at arby's or something i could just work for myself and it was awesome uh and so the film festival ultimately ended up calling and saying, Hey, like, this is great. Uh, we're going to give you an award for this. Like, this is, this is a thing. Uh, and so I went to the ceremony and everybody got to watch my movie on a big screen, you know, at this film festival. And that was it. Like that, that moment was another one of those kind of core memories, right? Where like everyone's watching this film that I did at 15 years old 
And at the end of it, they clapped. And at the end of it, they thought it was really cool. And people would come up to me and say, oh my gosh, I really enjoyed this because, you know, da, 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 da. So yeah, it was interesting because they, the film festival, they reached out to me and they said, uh, we'd like to give you an award for this. Like you, you've done some really great work here. And so I was invited to come out to the film festival with my friends and family and got to watch my work on the big screen. And this was really the first time that it happened. And that was incredible and a kind of core memory in itself, right? And so being able to watch this and then afterwards people applauded and they'd come up to me and they'd say, oh my gosh, you were so great and we really learned something and da 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 da. Getting that audience reaction was like habit forming. It was addictive. It was like, oh my gosh, I've experienced this and I never want to not do this again. Like this, this is what I want to do, right? Um, Because it is addicting and it is almost like a drug in itself where it's like you get that attention and you get that praise and you just want to keep doing it and you want to keep you know pushing yourself to go higher and bigger and better and you know that sort of thing so that was a really neat kind of event that was a, a, a like a local thing that really helped launch again me even further into what it was that I would ultimately be doing like once I graduated high school was doing this film festival, kind of giving a unique perspective, having an audience, and then getting the feedback. And the feedback was, holy cow, this was great. What's your next project? And then I was forced to say, oh my gosh, I don't know. (laughs) You know? And so I had to go out and keep doing more things. Yeah. Um, but that was it. That was that was a, a defining moment in like, you know, Kyle's early career, if you will. That's like express it like that. And that's kind of like with this whole podcast. And um, I said this in a recent interview I did uh, with Educators Amplified. Do you remember uh, yeah. Joanna Rosado? Yeah. Oh, sure. Miss mm-hmm. Rosado. And then... Um, uh, Hallie Schmeling is a is a newer teacher, but we, we never had her. Mm-hmm. Um, I brought up when I realized that this is what I wanted. I want to pursue mm-hmm. this. Um, I was interviewing Danielle Peacecheck. She has a salon mm-hmm. slash plant shop. It's called Folias. And yep. I was looking at her. And then for a split moment, I looked beyond her and we were in her sunroom. And I just, I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is, if I mm-hmm. can make somehow make this work and, and it's been nonstop working at it. It's, um, and, and you of all people know, like, look where you've taken your career, look where you've taken your passions. It's watching someone like you tells me that that is possible, you know? And mm-hmm. it, it's just to, to, to think. And then I reflect back. Um, this actually brings me to my next question. You were picked on growing up. And I know this because I went to school with you um, from middle school all the way up. But how did that affect you? And how did you manage to stay strong? I also know that you were picked on because I'm guilty of being one of those people who, uh, who picked on you from time to time. And it wasn't about what you were doing with you know, mm-hmm. production or anything like that. It was more about the attention, the pot. I mean, teachers used to hang on your word and it was just like watching <laughs> that. And I'm like, why aren't you giving me that attention? Um, mm. First and foremost, before you even answer this, I do want to apologize. I, I reached out to you two years ago, but that was mm-hmm. over messages. And I have you mm-hmm. in front of me for the first time. And I just want to say, I do apologize that. Because when I do look back at high school, I do cringe a little. Because uh, yeah. 
it's just so much has changed, so much perspective. Yeah. And just yeah. knowing that for a brief moment in time, I, w- I was a certain way to you. And you've always been kind-hearted, you've in- infectious smile. Your heart is like pure. That's the only way I could put it. Um, for you mm-hmm. even agreeing to come on here and, and share your journey and share your success uh, with someone like me. And I, I'm not, you know, when I sit here and I'm having this conversation with you, there's no malice. Like you, you haven't held on to anything. It's kind of like what's in the past is the past. So, you know, yeah, I got to say, I look up to you for that. I look up for you for that. And I also just want to say, you hear it from my mouth. I'm, I'm sorry. Cause you didn't me nor any of the other people that used to treat you the way you got treated. You're, you're too good of a person to ever have had that happen to. So again, I apologize. How did you? Well, I appreciate that. How did you like, but how did you like manage to be so, so strong about it? Not let it. Yeah. Well, first off, I appreciate that apology. That that means a lot. And you're right. Like, you know, the, the past is the past. I think we all look back at our time in, in not just high school, but middle school and even elementary school. And there are times when we all cringe about things we could have done differently and, you know, what have you. Um, and, you know, I, I was I was touched when a few years ago when I'd won the Emmy um, that you had posted something on your Facebook page about how I'd won the Emmy. And you, you had kind of said in a very open forum, like, I was not so kind of this guy earlier and all of a sudden he just wanted Emmy and like there's a lot of perspective happening in my life right now and like all this and it was a very a long and genuine post and I at the time was not friends with you on Facebook Um, and I think it was like Brandon Clemmer who had reached out to me and said I don't know if you've seen this but Xavier put up a post about me and the first thing I thought was oh what now what what has Xavier got to say about me it's been how many years right and 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 so I, I looked and I was like oh wow like you could tell that this was genuine. You could tell that this was pure. You could tell that there had been growth. You could tell that you are not the same person now that you were in high school. And I can say the same. I'm not the same person I was in high school. There are parts of me that are the same, of course. Right. Um, But there are definitely parts of me that have grown up and matured and, you know, uh, just become better and smarter and wiser and (laughs) all the things that come with, you know, you know, more good looking, you know, all those things. Uh, And so, (laughs) Uh, but no, it it was, so that, that was a, uh, an interesting moment even for me because, you know, it was nice to just hear that because, you know, it is a weird thing, right? It is a weird situation. Um, but it was also nice to, to see that people can change. And I know there are some people that picked on me in high school and middle school, uh, that you'll fall into the category like yourself that have completely changed and their perspective has changed completely and they've got married and had kids and they want their kids to have a better life and they want them to not, you know, have the same, you know, mistakes that they made. Right. Um, and then there are some people that picked on me in high school that have not necessarily changed as much. And that's a whole different rabbit hole. Right. Uh, but you, uh, in that post a few years ago, um, genuinely you you could tell that there had been a huge change. Uh, and that, that was why I said yes to doing this, um, when you reached out and asked me, because it was like that that was meaningful and it wasn't with any intent or anything it was just you kind of clearing your air and speaking from the heart and that meant a lot to me as does what you're saying now so um that that really you know no but it goes it goes a long way and it speaks to who you are and you know i know we talked about this because we chatted on the phone before this but like you know um 
it, it's it's important to be able to recognize the past and it's important to be able to learn from the past and to you know hopefully one day your kids will listen to this when they're in middle and high school Definitely. and they will take away the lessons that like oh yeah okay well you know even dad wasn't perfect but i can you know chart my own course so that i can you know learn from those mistakes as well and see that you know people can change people can grow yeah. you know and that that's important. But to, to kind of answer your question, like, you know, yeah, I mean, obviously getting picked on and made fun of and bullied and, you know, in, especially in middle and high school, it, it, you know, it, it sucked, right? Like it was not cool. Um, yeah. in, in middle school, uh, middle school was more of the, like the bullying era. And what I mean by that was like, those were like the physical Kyle's getting pushed around yeah. years um like i remember there was one time where i ended up in the doctor because like like somebody had like literally like shoved me over one day and like physically brought harm to me which was wild in itself um and then even in high school it continued right you you think that like oh it's going to disappear but like in high school you know i was the odd uh odd duck out in yeah. certain ways um and and some of these weren't even really like none of them really fault of my own, but like, um, it was interesting because there was a few general reasons that I think people were picking on me. Um, and a big one was my dad at the time. Um, you know, it's funny when I was growing up, my dad, uh, which most people know is officer Mick, uh, yep. because small town, like he would do the dare program at all the, the elementary schools and that sort of thing. Um, and so, when I was in kindergarten and first grade, second grade, all the way through fifth grade, uh, it was, wow, cool. Your dad's officer, Mick, your dad's a cop. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Right. By the time that we got to high school, it was, yo, Kyle, your dad, he pulled me over the other night. I got a speeding ticket from your dad, you know, and, wow. and, and <laughs> wow. the perspective completely <laughs> yeah. changed, right? It went from, oh my gosh, that's so cool to like, hey man, screw you, you know, and it was nothing I did. It was my dad doing his job, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so that was an interesting dynamic. But then even outside of that, take my dad completely out of the equation. You know, I was um, uh, marching to the beat of a different drum. Yeah. I was in theater. I was a bit outgoing more so than most people. Um, I wore a lot of the Aloha shirts and like, you know, yeah. uh, all, all, all the classic, you know, targets for, for sure. <laughs> somebody to get picked on. Right. Um, I, I, and so I will give you the you did have your own style at the end of the day. It just totally all yeah. these, it was different. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. I had my own style and like even I didn't realize it at the time. But like, you know, it, it has become a thing. And like, you know, even something as silly as like how I smiled for pictures back mm -hmm. then was something that people made fun of. I've always smiled the same way for posts. Oh, yeah. If anybody knows my pictures now, as you see me, like I love the people smile, nowadays, dude. actually, thank, thank you. It. People, people nowadays affect actually call it the Kyle smile because it's just like, it's the classic, like my, my mouth is just hanging open in all these photos. Um, but back then people would make fun of it and they'd call me like Muppet mouth and like all this kind of stuff. And, and it was, you know, anything they could find, they would, they would make fun of it. Um, but you know, to, to, to answer the second part of your question, like to get through all of that, um, it, it was a few things. It was kind of what I said earlier, which is the most motivating thing in the world is when somebody tells you, you can't, can't do, something, do something. Right. Um, that that was so it was funny because like these people they're picking on me and they're making fun of me but at the same at the same time they're also fueling the fire 
and they don't even realize it. Yeah. But they're they're the ones that are like, you will not do this. You cannot do this. It is impossible to do this. And again, it, my my reaction in the back of my head is, oh, you <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet, yeah. right? Like just you wait. I'm going to prove you all wrong, right? Um, and then the other part of it was, you know, obviously my parents were extremely supportive, um, but you know, at, at high school was an interesting time because. As I was getting out in high school, I was getting more attention from the teachers. That was a huge part of what helped um, me get through these things was having yeah. like the teacher support. Um, but like, you know, I got death threats in high school. Like there were, there were times Holy. when, you know, I'd have, yeah, I had letters in my locker and there were times when like the teachers like had to escort me around from like class to class because like people had said they were going to do something. Yeah, there were, I don't know if you remember, but like when we were in high school, there were some days where like they had to do like bag checks and stuff like that. Yeah. And some of that was because there had been like letters in my locker and like really weird things that had happened. And, you know, and it, it was, it, it was just a thing at the time. And I didn't really piece it all together like I can now. Yeah. Uh, and now it all seems so silly and so, you know, that's so but, crazy. I, I did you know, not. At know the time, that. it was a yeah. big deal. You know, it was a yeah, big deal. For sure. Um, but but a lot of that support really came from the faculty, the teachers, my parents, uh, and just being able to, you know, have the validation that, like, yes, you are marching to the beat of a different drum. You do have higher ambitions than most. You are doing something that most would consider exceptional, special, you know, whatever category yeah. you want to put it in. Um, but that doesn't mean you should stop doing it. Like, this should not be the reason you stop it. Um, and that was a lot of the fuel behind, you know, getting me into theater and, you know, all those kind of hobbies that I did yeah. as high school kind of progressed. That was my kind of, quote-unquote, escape, you know, from it. And, you know, and I met a lot of good friends doing all that, which helped, too. Those friends yeah. helped push me along and give me the validation I needed to know that what I'm doing is right, you know? So, well, I'm happy you didn't let that break you. Um, I think, you know, the, coming up to this question that I asked, it was kind of, um, like you said, it's, it's growth and, and, and trying to just evolve as a person. And I do have a middle schooler right now. She's 12. Yeah. Uh, her name is Mackenzie. Yeah. And um, then I have twins that are eight years old uh, going into the third grade, uh, they're at Lakeview. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and then I got a two year old. So it's, it's definitely trying to show them a better example. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you never let these type of comments stray you from your path because I mean, yeah. we definitely take it how it is. We need people like you in this world to show that it is possible. A small town boy can go and capture the attention of millions of people. Cause you have, mm -hmm. I mean, some of the, I, I've brought, brought you on here, but I, people know the name in Hollywood. They would know the name in right. Hollywood, but some of the shows you you've been involved with, I mean, house of dragons, HBO encore, Disney plus, don't F this up. Netflix with Kevin Hart. Um, Kevin Hart. The show The Four on Fox. These are some of the things you've been involved with. And why I'm bringing that up is because, you know, look what you've done. You've just, you've taken off. You didn't listen to any, you didn't listen to any of the, no, the noise and you, you stood on your path. So back in high school, how active were you in theater? I mean, you were always in theater from my 
Oh I yeah. Yeah. I, back, but that was, yeah. that was my kind of, that was my jam, right? High school theater. That was like my, my big extracurricular, you know, everybody did sports or whatever, but like that theater was my thing. And that had started from a really young age that started when I was in elementary school. Um, there was a program in the summer that the South Milwaukee rec department put on, um, that at the time was called the all city players. Uh, and then they later changed that name to the South Milwaukee youth theater. Um, and it was a summer theater program where you come out and they do a musical every summer. And that was what I lived for. I loved the summers and I loved doing the musicals. And from a young age, I started getting cast in these really exciting roles. uh, And it just kept growing as time went on. And it became a huge part of who I was at the time. And again, fueling the entertainment part of me, right? And the creative side of me and learning how to do certain things. And there was a year that we were doing the youth theater uh, during the summer that like most people point to is like, this was the year that Kyle came into his own. This was the year that everything changed yeah. every year prior Kyle got, went on stage and he just kind of did the thing and he went out there and he, you know, said his lines or whatever. But there was one year that I played the lead in the music man, which was my freshman year coming out of my freshman year of high school. Yeah. Um, and that, that was huge. That was a very big deal. <laughs> um, and, and everybody was like, Oh wow. Like, Kyle has changed. Like he, he gets it. Like this is, this is, he, he's been bitten by the bug as they say. Right. And this is going to be, you know, a thing. And so I always kind of challenge myself that during the school year, we would always do a play and a musical. And for those, I would be behind the scenes because that's ultimately where I wanted my, my career to go. I wanted to be behind the scenes. Uh, But then in the summer, as kind of the hobby and to stay, you know, kind of changing it up a bit in the summer when they did the theater shows, I would go on stage and I would be like one of the leads in the musicals. Um, and a lot of times I got the leads because I was one of the only dudes that did the theater program. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they just needed guys, believe it, um, but believe it or not, I kind of kicked myself. It's one of those things where I look back cause my attention wasn't on things that I, you know, I was interested. I've always had this personality, but I do kick myself that I wasn't in theater. I, I didn't at right? least attempt it. Um, yeah. But back to you, I didn't mean to, to cut you off. I lo- no, I I loved it. I thought it was absolutely awesome. Um, and we had some really incredible uh, theater advisors, uh, instructors, teachers, what have you, growing up. Uh, it started with um, Elizabeth Hepp, uh, who then became Mrs. Mrs. Miss Hep became Mrs. Fritz. Um, yep. And then she left the district to go elsewhere. And then uh, Bill Jackson came in. And Mr. Jackson. Yeah. Mr. Jackson. Everybody remember. Mr. Jackson and remembers uh, his just demeanor. Like he, he walked into a room and you you knew this was, yeah, you didn't look anywhere else. You were looking at Mr. Jackson. Right. Um, And him and I still talk to this day. And he was a huge part of my theater story growing Mm up. Um, And he came in and it was really interesting uh, not to get on a huge sub tangent, but like he came into the South Milwaukee theater program and completely changed how South Milwaukee high school did theater. Because what had happened prior to that was people do the theater program in high school. And typically speaking, the leads were kind of, unofficially reserved for the seniors. So the seniors would always get cast as the leads. And Jackson came in and said, oh, no, no, no. Everybody's auditioning. 
everybody's on equal playing. And he goes, and that's how the industry is. Like if you, you're not just going to get the role because you're, you're, you know, (laughs) you're who you are, you're older, whatever. You're going to get the role because you're the best for the, for the part. Right. And so he came in and he ruffled a lot of feathers and seniors were pissed off. They were not happy because they're like, Oh, I've been waiting my whole career. It's like, well, Ben, you should have had a better audition. Uh, and, 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 and people, People, people were so freaked out and they're like, what the heck? Like, this isn't fair. But I was sitting there being like, no, this is exactly what I need, right? Like, this is the fuel I need because I want the real world experience right now. I want it in high school. And so Jackson really pushed the limits of the theater program. Um, And, you know, some will argue for better, for worse. I will completely, to the day I die, argue it was for the better Um, because he, he put a real life application into our high school theater world and and it made a huge lasting impact and so he was definitely a huge like mentor for me for um sure. and you know I, I i spent so much time with him that i can now mimic his voice extremely well uh, <laughs> yeah I don't know if you ever heard, but years after I graduated high school, I um I did an April Fool's prank on him. No. Um, he was still teaching up at South Milwaukee, and I had the number for a bunch of the teachers still at the high school. Oh, wow. And so after school, uh, or yeah, after after school had gotten out the day before April first, April Fools, I called a bunch of teachers in the school. And I left voicemails as if I was Bill Jackson. And so <laughs> I, I I called all these teachers and I'd be like, hey, Mr. Fix, it's Bill Jackson here. You know, we haven't talked in a while. So why don't we go get pizza tomorrow for lunch? It's going to be my treat. Call me around noon or just stop on by and we'll go get lunch. Okay, bye-bye. And I did this to like... <laughs> to like 20 different teachers. And so then April 1st comes around the next day and lunchtime is coming up and all these teachers start coming to Mr. Jackson's classroom and they're like, Hey, Bill, you said you wanted to buy me lunch. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you left a voicemail on my, my phone last night. He's like, I didn't do anything. Yeah. (laughs) So all all the teachers start kind of putting together that, Oh, we all got these voicemails that sound like Jackson. Well, who would, Oh, (laughs) all of a sudden they had this like epiphany. Um, but yeah, so so theater was definitely, and Jackson, of course, were a, a a huge part of my high school story. That was huge for me, and and led to a lot of greatness beyond high school because of that. All right, Mr. Jackson, talking about that brings in the next question because, um, yeah, he was all he was uh, a definitely a person that when he stepped in the room, you knew you were there, and his presence. He commanded the room. From what I saw, I never personally had him as a teacher, but definitely just one of those people like out out there and outspoken. And you could tell he had a great personality. I mean, he organized so many things while he was there. Very into it with the the student body. Um, You guys actually did a spoof of the 007 film for our senior year. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I watched it recently coming up to this interview, trying to Uh prep, get some 
um, you sent over. It, it was awesome, man. I, I look back and I just all the uh, the style of what, what what was everyone wearing back then, and and <laughs> all the yeah. just the things you see in that. How far you got back? But you guys did a spoof. What was the experience like, and how did that help you pr- prepare for post high school? That experience was everything. Like that, that set the course. That was that was the last step I needed before leaving high school. Um, I wrote, directed, produced, edited, um, at times acted in, like whatever it took. Um, made a feature film my senior year of high school, and the only way that it could be done was with all the people that I asked saying yes. And I don't know, obviously I know you remember the premise, but for those that are listening that might not remember the premise, the the general premise was that it was a 007 spoof because we were the class of 2007, right? And (laughs) 007, and I thought that'd be fun to do a James Bond-inspired spoof. And the idea was that the evil principal had uh, locked up our grades for the senior class and was not going to allow the seniors to graduate. And so uh, a a merry band of senior students and teachers had to break into the school to find the grades and save the day so that the graduating class could uh, in fact graduate. Um, And it was so much fun. It was so much fun. It was the defining thing that happened my senior year. Um, To this day, people talk about it as a defining thing. Um, We learned a lot along the way. I look back, you talk about looking back at memories and cringing. My God, (laughs) I look back at this movie and I'm like, oh dear God, what was I doing? (laughs) The lightsaber scene Uh, was awesome, by the way. Jackson thank you, thank Cartwright. you. You know, we, we yeah, Jackson and Cartwright. Yeah, I, 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 there was a few things that, like, when I was kind of uh, envisioning the movie, that was like, there are things that I want to see happen that I think everybody would love. Uh, and you know, again, to make it work, we needed the help of some seniors yeah. and we needed the help of some teachers. And every single teacher and every single senior I asked said yes. No one turned me down. Yeah. Um, and I knew one of the things I wanted to do was I wanted to do spoofs within the spoof, and I really, really, really wanted to see a lightsaber fight between Bill Jackson, who's like six foot seven and Mr. Cartwright, who is on the opposite end of the height spectrum. (laughs) And, and he was a very like, you know, the, the Yoda personified. Right. And so uh, I knew that that was going to be like a defining moment in it. Um, But it it, it ultimately ended having a, a lot of defining moments. And, you know, I didn't really realize it at the time, but like, you know, we did a lot of these shoots on weekends and after school and you know i was asking teachers to stay for hours after they had finished their days and coming in on the weekends and never once did they hesitate never once did they say whatever they always said yep let me clear my calendar i'll be there and you know that meant so much to me and and still like you know touches my heart that they saw enough value in what the project was and you know it was serving a purpose of me kind of learning filmmaking but it was serving a bigger purpose as well like this really became 
a community event. This became a thing that people in the community really wanted to be a part of. And then it premiered the weekend. Uh, it was May 4th that it premiered. I will never forget the day that it premiered um, in the PAC. And it was pretty much a sold out house. And go. people came from all around and the teachers came, the students came, families came, you know, the whole nine. Uh, and it was a really, really fun event. And, you know, all this hard work that had gone into this entire year of producing a movie finally paid off by us being able to premiere this film. And it was uh, a feeling that I've rarely felt since then. Um, and it was so special to have been able to do this with the community and with the teachers and the students that all kind of made my senior year and just my high school experience in general so memorable, right? Um, and so that was that was really cool. And that was a very, very special moment. And another thing that kind of kind of sealed the deal for me, right? It was like, this is it. Yeah. I've done the feature film in my hometown. It's time to go on to the next bigger, better thing. Yeah. And at that point it was that's LA, you know. Yeah. So man. I can't. It's just crazy how things just. Man, I I could only imagine like being there that night and just, you know, being you, being you, yeah, and just mm, seeing mm -hmm. it sold out. That had to be like holy. Oh, wow. it was wild. Emotional, was, I would say, in was, a sense too. Like I, I tell you straight up, I'd be emotional if I was watching a whole uh, oh, yeah. PAC full of people all here for me uh, to support. Yeah. I actually um. When I did the release party for for uh, the commercial that I um, put out for this podcast and the people that yeah. showed up, it was it's my closest people and it was a small group. Yeah. But it was still to have that to push you like that that gives you the motivation like I'm on the right track. Yep. I'm on the right. Track. Yes. That that's what it was, right? It was the validation that I needed to go that that could fuel my starting an LA journey, right? Um, and it it continued to just fuel that fire, and and that that's everything I needed at the time. And I learned so much doing the project, and and now it's fun to look back at it as like a time capsule, right? Like it's just a memory you can watch it for a a high school reunion or something, and it could be just like a fun thing to kind of look back at and see. Um, but at the time, it was you know. It was different it was it was cool it was unique when how long did it take to do the actual film i don't know if you answered that oh my god we we started i mean we started when the school year started i i pitched this like when we were that. in when school started that year our senior year i pitched that um and it went basically up until the week before we premiered so like through the end of april so like basically the last all the entire school year minus the last month was dedicated to this movie um and it was interesting because my senior year um we were allowed to do um i forget what they call it, it was like a work co-op type thing where if you had a job you could get early release to go and work at this job whatever your job would be and a lot of people had like um, jobs at like Northwestern Mutual or wherever it was, like doing apprenticeships and things like that. And I applied 
with my LLC for the video production company that I owned in high school and yeah. said, this is my job. I, I'm independent. Like I, I work for myself and can I get early release? And they approved it. The school said, yeah, that's totally within fair game. And so a lot of time I spent working on other projects and filming other things, but a lot of that time was also spent on 007 yeah. and making that all come together. And so that was kind of a, a neat perk of senior year as well yeah. was that I got to be able to do that, you know? So so what what were your plans immediately after graduating high school? So the the ultimate plan was I I want to study film whatever that means and follow that road, right? And so it's interesting cuz when we were in high school, I'm sure you remember this, they had at the schools they would have like these college fairs and career days and like that kind of thing. And obviously I knew that I had the bug for film and TV. And so one of these, which was, I want to say it was like my sophomore year, maybe, maybe my junior year. It was as we were getting closer to senior year. Um, my dad took me to one of these things. It was happening like at the school. Um, and so we went one night and they had all the tables from all the colleges. And like, it was mostly like colleges, not just in Wisconsin, but like kind of nearby. So Chicago and, you know, what have you. Um, and they had a table for university of Milwaukee. And obviously that's an easy place to start because like, okay, like, let's see what my own backyard has to offer. And so I went to the table and, uh, said, Hey, do you guys have an arts department? And said, we, we do. And not only do we have an arts department, we've got a table just dedicated to the arts. And, and I was like, Oh, this is great. And so I go yeah. over with my dad and we go, we go to the, the arts department table and they said, Hey, you know, uh, what's your name and tell us about yourself. And I'm like, Oh, I'm really interested in film and TV. And I want to do all the things I'm like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, ultimately, like, I want to, I want to work on the big sets. I, right. Like I want to work on star Wars and Marvel movies and, you know, uh, cool blockbusters and yeah. the summer films and awesome TV shows that like I'm watching now and love. And I'm not kidding when the, the lady there literally laughed and she was like, Oh, you're not going to work on that stuff coming from Milwaukee. Uh, what? <laughs> Don't nobody tell was, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Kyle turned green and became the incredible Hulk right there in that. No, uh, but, <laughs> but like, it, it like what? And I was like, what are you talking about? You have a film program. Like, yeah, yeah. But like our film program, like you're going to go through our film program and like, you might do some indies and you might do a little this and this and that. And you can work on local things. You can work at the news station and all that. And don't get me wrong. Let me be very clear. There is nothing wrong with any of that. That's totally fine. And there's a place for that in our community and the arts culture. And some people genuinely love that. And there are huge perks and advantages to that. And I totally get that for people that want to do that. That just wasn't my call. Thing, that yeah. wasn't what I wanted to do, right? And and so I was like, whoa, <laughs> if you're laughing at me and telling me that like this ain't gonna work, then like this is no longer a relationship I want to be involved with, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm gonna break up with you because I don't want <laughs> I, don't, I want nothing to do with this. And and so it was very quickly like yeah, I'm like Shark Tank, you know, like, oh, and yeah. for that reason, I'm out, you know, <laughs> like, I, I wanted deal nothing or no to do deal. Yeah. Like deal or no deal, no deal, right, exactly, <laughs> no, deal. no deal, Uh, that was exactly what it was, it was no deal, Um, and so I immediately started looking at where can I go, 
And the answer quickly became, you got to get out to LA. You got to get to where the action is. And so my the summer in between my junior, senior year, I did a intense filmmaking workshop. And a few years prior, I did a, another filmmaking workshop. So basically, in the summer, I'm doing filmmaking yep, stuff, right? For sure. I'm getting out there. I'm doing different things. Uh, and these two filmmaking programs that I did during high school really emphasized again that like, oh yes, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. These are my people. This is my community, you know, whatever. And the one that I did after my junior year, uh, going into senior year was in LA. And so that was my first experience in LA. And it, it changed my perspective on everything. As soon as I did that, I was like, this is where I need to be. The studios are here. The shows are here. The productions are here. They got schools here. They've got it all. This is where I want to be. So then that became the goal was graduate high school, get as much on the quote unquote resume as you can, which was why I did 007 and why I was doing my uh, high school production company and all that. And then from there, let's go out and let's make it happen. Right. Let's, let's, get out to LA, pack our bags and just, you know, chase the dream. And that's what it was. Damn. Man. Talk about <laughs> what a journey, man. And don't nobody tell that's him what it no. was. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Nobody tell me no. Nobody. Because I, and I remember it was such, that was such a vivid day because I remember like getting in the car with my dad and I was so defeated that night and it was just like, are you kidding me? Like you're telling me that, they're kind of laughing in my face and saying, you're never going to work on a Star Wars film or a Star Wars project. And like jokes on them because like I've not worked on Star Wars projects and like things like that. Uh, But it was just like, it it was crazy because it immediately put in perspective. But once again, this was motivation, right? It was, you know, I was upset for a second and, you know, I had a little, you know, good cry about it or whatever, but then it was, okay, what's next? Then how do we get there? If they're telling me I can't do it this way, then how do I do it? You know? Yeah. And that's always kind of been my approach. If this doesn't work, you know, if the door doesn't work, then can I go through the back door? If the back door is broken, then can I go through the window? You know, how do I get into the next step? Right? So that was, that was it. Man. Off to LA. <laughs> <laughs> Did you uh did you get any advice before you left from um any of your mentors? Oh my god! Or, uh... So so much advice. Um, a lot of it was really you know your your typical kind of going to. Remember you know you, when you're a senior in high school, the amount of times that everybody reads to you the Dr. Seuss book, like oh the places you'll go and like all that you know. So so much advice in that regard. But I think probably the best advice that I got um, was at my senior, uh, my my graduation party that I had, which was like days after we had graduated. Uh, I had a party in Grant Park and friends and family and whatnot came. And there was a guy who, um, his name is Joe Cortese, and he uh, is a comedian in Milwaukee. And he he's known for clowning around and just being like one of the funniest guys in Milwaukee. And he came out with some of his other friends and they all worked for comedy sports in Milwaukee. And they came and and did like a fun little improv show at my party, which was really, really cool. Um, and at the party, he gave me what was probably one of the most resounding pieces of advice that I got, which was when you get out to LA, never hide the fact that you are from Milwaukee. Never hide the fact that you're from the Midwest. Don't try to chameleon your way into LA. The fact that you're from the Midwest, the fact that you're from Milwaukee is a positive. Mm -hmm. People see people from Milwaukee and like know that, you know, you know how it is. It's it's the small town. It's the... 
you know, man of my word, you know, when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. Those are qualities that don't necessarily represent Los <laughs> Angeles, um, yeah. but are definitive of the Midwest. And he's like, and th- those qualities will help you, not hinder you. So own it, right? Like, don't go out there trying to be somebody else. Own the yeah. fact that you are from Milwaukee. Own the fact that you are a small town boy in a big, you know, big world now, right? Yeah. And and so that that was probably some of the 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 the, the advice that stood out the most, um, because it really meant a lot um, starting the journey. You know, well, yeah. When I moved to New York, they actually uh, nicknamed me uh, Wisconsin and when I was <laughs> hanging out. And then check this. They they nicknamed when I play basketball they'd be Milwaukee, you know because Milwaukee. Oh Bucks, wow! So. There you go. Yeah. Um, right. But I definitely get it. I mean, every one of the biggest like um, things about starting this podcast was because of the type of feedback I'd get when I'd say I, I'm from Milwaukee. They like right, right. They make it seem like it's oh that's that's not a good area like. You don't even know. You don't know. Bay you don't even View. know. Yeah. You, you don't know Bayview. You don't know. Yeah. Uh, the lake area. You know, down by uh, Bradford Beach. You don't know. Um, yeah. Just all the things that that resonate here. You you have no clue. You're just speaking from hearsay. She say whatever you want to say. Like, but that was. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you bring that up because, like, when I moved to New York, it was just like I totally embraced. I totally yeah. embraced being from Milwaukee and even I recently It's part of your identity, right? I recently went back with the whole family 2 years ago and it was right after we won the the championship so every day I was wearing a jersey um yeah. definitely represented. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. Um what was it like moving away after graduation after graduation chasing your dreams pursuing a career in film production? What were the hardest parts about those big that big step? Oh gosh, um, you know, a lot of it's probably stuff you can imagine. We kind of hit on this when we first started talking, which was, yeah. you know, there's a distance, right? There's a physical distance. There's an emotional distance. There's just there's just a distance. Um, leaving Milwaukee was still, without question, one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, everybody knew. The writing was on the wall. Yeah. Um, that like I I was gonna go out to LA. Like there wasn't a question in anybody's mind. Anybody that knew me in L in, in uh, high school knew when Kyle graduates high school, he's going to LA and he's gonna do the film thing. Like that everybody just knew that. Um, and so that really affected my friendships my senior year. Um, some for better and some for worse, because there were some people, and I've had talks with them in a year since that mm-hmm. my senior year, I was really close to them my freshman year, my sophomore year, my junior year. And then my senior year, suddenly some of my closest friends started distancing themselves. I was like, what the heck? What, what did I do? And they were like, we are distancing. I later learned this. We are distancing ourselves from you so that we are not as hurt when you leave. Uh, and that, that wow. was really like, that was mind blowing uh, that some of my best friends weren't disappearing because anything was wrong, but it was, we don't want to be as sad when you ultimately get in the car and drive to LA. And like, you know, some of us are still in touch and still talking all that, but like there are still such like really, really core memories in my brain about like, like I can still no joke, like from the, the, um, the, the last like day that I was in Milwaukee before I left for LA, I kind of did the rounds and I went to my friend's houses and just kind of said goodbye and give hugs and you know, that kind of thing. And I can tell you 
after I saw every single person when I was saying goodbye. I can tell you what song was on the radio when I got back in my car to drive to the next person's house. Like I, I remember this so vividly. Wow. Like it's such a yeah. core thing, you know? Uh, and so that was interesting. And then once I actually got to LA, then also perspectives start changing, right? So there was the pre-LA kind of change, but then there was the once I'm in LA, People that I've been really close with and best friends, um, some of them, our friendships grew and they flourished and they became maybe even closer than ever because, you know, they were also in a new world. And so a lot of the people that I was talking to were people that were also kind of um, making bigger leaps like myself. Yeah. Uh, people like Caitlin Wolf, uh, who was doing her theater thing in New York. Um, Leah Costello and I were talking for a, a while and she had jumped into the theater realm as well. Um, you know, th these were the people that were, you know, definitely, um, you know, kind of a, a small group of us, quote unquote, outsiders that were kind of leaving the state. Um, but then there were people that I was really, really close to that started um, being like, oh, you know, he's in LA now. He thinks he's better than us. He thinks this, he thinks that. And it's like, yeah, it, it, life happens. And as, as all this happens, you start to, th those friendships start to wane and it just kind of disappears and dissipates. And, you know, there's always a, a bit of you that will go, shoulda, woulda, coulda, could I have saved those? Could I've done anything differently? Was it me? Was it them? Was it both of us? The answer probably is yes to all the above, right? Um, it's hard to say, and and you can't live wondering what could have been. Um, you can only move forward and say, okay, the past, like, like we said earlier, the, the, the past is the past. Oh, yeah. And, you know, what was there was great. And if it ever comes back and it finds its way back in, awesome. Um, but if not, that's okay too, you know, uh, yeah. and we, and we move on. But that was, that was definitely the hardest part, especially those that the last year of high school into like the first year or two in LA, it was, you know, there were huge transitions. I went to LA knowing nobody. I didn't know a single person. I don't have a family member out here. I don't have any friends out here. I, I literally that's moved scary. in knowing nobody. Wow. And during it, you need to have a support system. And like my parents were definitely there, like, you know, mom and dad and I were talking weekly and like all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, but you know, the, the friend support system went through a lot during those years. And that was, that was a big trial and error for a lot of friendships. <laughs> so, yeah. wow, man, I, that's scary, man. Going all the way out. Oh there. yeah. It's still crazy to me to think about that time because, like, what was I thinking? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you just don't know anything, you know, you just took a blind leap of faith. And there's so many people that do, and they end up coming back home. They end up not, it doesn't work out. You know, I was very fortunate and, you know, I was driven enough that it did work out, but yeah. not everybody has the same story, you know? So, yeah. what was your first breakthrough as your career in film production? My first, oh wow, um, my first breakthrough would have been on America's Next Top Model. Um, wow. When I got out to LA, yeah, when I got out to LA, uh, I was teaching uh, film at a local high school um, after school. Like they had like an after school program, kind of like the rec department that we had at South Milwaukee. And I had a little program of sorts um, that I would do where I was teaching the high school kids how to do TV and film and whatnot. And while I was doing that, um, it was kind of incredible because there was one day that I was teaching and across the hall from me, there was a American Red Cross class happening where they had, they were doing some like CPR classes and things of this nature. And somebody came up to me from the Red Cross and said, Hey, uh, we noticed you're doing some teaching and we thought it'd be really interesting, uh, if you could come and maybe teach for us. And I just moved to LA. And so I was like, eh, I'm 
not really looking for like a volunteer gig yet. Like I just moved here. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and they were like, well, it would be paid and you'd get to go around to like some of the bigger places in LA. You get to go to Disney and Universal Studios and you get to teach at some of these iconic places. And I was like, wait, wait, I could be at the, I could be at the studios. I could teach CPR at the studios. Damn. And so long story short, I went in, I interviewed, I got the gig. And so oh, I was a, yeah. a, a traveling teacher with the red cross and I would teach CPR and first aid and all these kind of little courses. Um, and I did a lot of them at the studios. And so I was meeting people. I was having my first experiences on studio lots kind of going into the world uh, that I really wanted to be in, but from a kind of tangential side door, if you will, right? Um, And along the way, I would occasionally get asked to do private classes. And the private classes would be, you go to somebody's house because they don't want to do like the big class with a bunch of people. And one of the first classes that I got called to do was a private class for Tyra Banks. And so I got invited to go to Tyra's house and Get teach out of her. Here. Holy <laughs> God. I'm sorry, but that right there. <laughs> oh, I got to teach Tyra Banks mouth to mouth. You know, somebody's got to do it. Somebody so it might as well be me. Um, yeah. And that was a big day for me. Um, I, you know, was kind of manifesting going into it that like, I really want to have like a genuine conversation with her. I really want to be able to talk to her and just, if nothing else, pick her brain and get advice on like how to get into this world and this industry. Uh, And over the course of the day that we spent together for this Red Cross training, um, we had a lot of conversations and she was like, well, why are you in LA? You're from Milwaukee. You said you didn't move to LA to teach CPR. And I was like, you're absolutely right, Tyra. I did not. (laughs) (laughs) I came out to LA because I want to work in TV. And she's like, well, you know, I have two TV shows, right? And I said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm aware, aware yeah, you know, aware. Yeah. And, and she said, well, why don't you come work for me? Why don't you come work on America's Next Top Model? And I was like, okay, don't get your hopes up, Kyle, because like people say things and people talk, but like, you know, and I'll be darned if two weeks later, her assistant didn't call me and say, hey, we'd like to offer you a job as a production assistant on America's Next Top Model, which is basically the bottom of the barrel. Like I'm getting the coffees for people on set and all yeah, that. But I'm on set and I'm getting paid to do the thing. Right. And so that was the first breakthrough. That was, that was it. That was like the iconic, iconic moment where it was, this is the, the, the foundation of which my career will grow. And so on that show, I went from PA to key PA to assistant coordinator to coordinator and kept moving up through the ranks. And so I was on that show from season like 14, 15 through 21. So I was on there for a good chunk of time. Um, And then from there started going to other shows and kind of continuing up the ladder, if you will. Uh, but that was, that was a defining moment. That was my first breakthrough. And it was all thanks to Tyra Banks and the American Red Cross, which is kind of a unique <laughs> entryway. You know? That's, oh my. Yeah. And man, it, it just did that name alone. I mean, you know, when that show, that, that right? show was running, uh, everyone uh, set their schedules to uh, <laughs> watch it. Uh-huh. Um, oh yeah. It was a big show. Yeah, I I watched it for a little while. You know what I mean? I love the drama and the whole suspense and just at the ending of the show. And she's really like, well, there's zero feelings in how you feel. (laughs) But 
Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was. She, you know, not no no apologies, right? Like no, you know, uh, no BS. Yeah. You know, you've traveled to ten countries. Ten countries. Mm-hmm. What over ten at this point? I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah, man. I mean, you must have, you have a busy schedule. That's really what it is. <laughs> but uh, what were those, <laughs> some of those experiences like? Oh man. Um, you know, one of the greatest things about the work that I do is that I get paid to travel. Yeah. Um, and that's both domestically and internationally. Um, I've traveled to almost every state in the country on work projects. I've traveled to now over 10 countries um, for work. Um, what's incredible about traveling uh, is it, it, it completely puts in perspective where you are in life, in the world. Um, you know, it. This sounds so cliche, but like, you know, there's the, the popular Disney song, like, it's a small world after all, right? But like, it really is. <laughs> and yeah. when you travel, you learn that. You learn that we're all the same. We're all doing the same stuff. And like, you may drive on the wrong side of the road and you may have an accent, but like, we're all doing the same stuff, right? Yeah. And 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 that's always like really humbling and always really incredible. And like, you know, my favorite parts of traveling are kind of twofold. There's the part of like, I love to go see stuff. I just want to immerse myself into the culture. I want to, if I'm in London, I want to go see the castles and the churches and, you know, the stuff that defines London. If I'm in Fiji, I want to go see the scenic viewpoints that are breathtakingly gorgeous and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but then it's also the people. And every time I travel, I always forget that the people are what make the travel, right? You go to places and you meet people. And for me, a lot of it is you're working with people. You you work with these people day in and day out for months. And then, you know, it's, it's one of the hardest things about my job is that when you're on a show, you're living with these people basically 24-7, right? Like you're constantly on set with yeah. these guys. And you, day in and day out, you're doing the thing and you're having a time of your life. And then the show ends. And then you get on a plane and you go home. And you stay in touch, but it's it's weird because you you work so much together and so closely together uh, for uh, a period of time, and then that just ends. And if you're lucky, you'll see them again on another show, and then sometimes you'll never see them again, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it is an interesting experience to say the least. And so anytime I'm traveling, I'm constantly posting on my Facebook and Insta and whatever, like you know, hey, I'm heading to you know wherever. Uh, is anybody in town? And more often than not, it's oh my gosh, I'm. I'm going to be there. I'll be there the week after or whatever. And so it's, it's nice that, you know, I I've been blessed in my career enough to, I know people around the globe that in most places I can run into people that I've worked with and, you know, uh, awesome. have good relationships with. And that's really, really special. Who gets to say that? Like, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I'm a pretty popular guy. I can go go around, but like, you go to a different country and they're like, "Is that Kyle Olson?" <laughs> but um, <laughs> well, through these, yeah, ex- it's cool. It's really cool. Well, through these experience and through your career, you've you've worked with a lot of celebrities. Who would you say are your mm-hmm. favorites? Oh wow. Um, Tyra definitely goes on the list, mainly because of the story I told you. Like yeah. I, I, I owe uh, a, a large part of my beginnings to Tyra. My origin story starts with Tyra Banks in LA. I had the chance to work when I was on Dancing with the Stars with Bill Nye. Um, the science guy. You might know him from yeah. work like Bill Nye, the science guy. Uh, <laughs> I think I just saw something. He just came out with something. I'm he just, yeah, that. he just came out with a new show called the end is nigh uh, on Peacock. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, 
him and I worked together on Dancing with the Stars. That was crazy. And it's crazy because like, um, no offense to Bill, but I've met celebrities that are by by uh, Hollywood standards, quote unquote, bigger celebrities than Bill, right? Yeah. Um, but he was a special one because like I grew up watching Bill. Watching we grew up watching Bill Nye, Bill Nye right? Yeah. <laughs> you watch him in class and like he was just this like otherworldly figure, right? Um, and being with him on Dance with the Stars, you know, they say in this industry that it's dangerous to meet your heroes because sometimes they're not who you expect them to be. And yeah. so you're scared, right? Because you're like, oh, Bill Nye sucks. And like, this is not going to be pretty for me. Like, this is not, the, it's going to, it's going to ruin the childhood memory. Right. Yep. Uh, and so I was very apprehensive about meeting Bill, even though I was excited that he was on the show. And one of the very first days I, on Dance with the Stars, my main job was uh, they have a dance studio where during the week when they're not filming the live show, they rehearse the numbers at this dance studio. And I kind of was the guy in charge of like kind of keeping the dance studio up to date. So I would, I would, I, I cooked, I cleaned, I <laughs> assigned people to different rooms for the rehearsals. I, I did it all, right? I was kind of the one man band that was assigned to the studio to kind of keep things going while the producers were working on the show and whatnot. Um, and this was still early earlier, you know, in my career. Um, and so, uh, Bill came in on one of the very first days and he was introduced to his partner who was, uh, a gal by the name of Peter Murgatroyd, or this, this is one of, one of the people he was, one of the dancers was Peter. Um, and the Peter was like, I'm so delighted to meet you, but like, I grew up in Australia. I have no idea who you are <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and because Bill Nye was not an international show. It was a, it was a U.S. show. Uh, and so Bill was like, well, we should watch an episode of my show so you can, you can have an idea. And so he looks at me and he's like, can you pull up an episode of my show on your laptop? And I was like, okay, okay, Bill All Nye. Right. And so I, 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 I pull up an old episode of Bill Nye on my laptop and Bill Nye and Peter and I sit down and proceed to watch an entire episode of Bill Nye the Science Guy while I'm sitting next to Bill Nye the Science Guy. And he's giving us like the Goals. director's commentary. Yeah, right. Game and it was just, Goals. it was, it was, uh, <laughs> it was crazy. And this was day one. This was day one. He walked on set. And we're watching Bill Nye together. And so this began this friendship. And we would talk every day and we'd hang out. We found out that we had a lot of passions and similar interests and all this kind of stuff. Um, he had just bought a new electric car. At the time, it was like a really new, fancy kind of electric car. And so he was like, I want to go joyriding my electric car. Do you want to come with me, Kyle? <laughs> and so... I said, yes, I do. And so we went out for lunch in his new car. And then we, we, he's driving us around. And at one point, he literally pulls over the car. And he says, all right, now it's your turn to drive. And I was like, what? And, and so we switch places. We do like a Chinese fire drill like on the middle of Mulholland Drive. And get back in the car. And then I'm driving Bill Nye's freaking electric car and driving yes. around. And like we come back in and like the paparazzi are like outside the studio and they're like all taking pictures and like all the it was it was such a surreal experience yeah. because here you are working with this guy that you like grew up with, right? And so so he's definitely on the list. Um there were countless celebrities that we met on Dance with the Stars, you know, Leah Remini, Corbin Blue. 
Billing Vol. These these are yeah. people that like had a wonderful experience with, um, and and they they were huge in like you know uh, my experiences. Uh, I worked more recently with Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart was a dream. Um, he was really really cool. Uh, you, you you talk about people that have a fire and got the hustle. Man, Kevin Hart. You look up hustle in the dictionary, and it's a picture of Kevin Hart. Like he he's the guy. Like he. Yeah. There's a reason he's on everything right now. It's because that man never sleeps. He never sleeps. Uh, And so that's cool to kind of, you know, see that perspective. And, you know, I've had a unique ability to be able to see some of these really big names and very unique perspectives kind of throughout my career. Uh, And it's been great, you know. And so rarely uh, are they not wonderful to work with. Like they are nine times out of ten genuinely uh, a pleasure to work with. And that's, that's always nice, too. So it's cool. Man, bless you, man. That's that. That definitely is just like holy. You know, when you mention these names, it's just like it's starstruck in a, in in a way. It's just like to believe, like because you do. Like a person like me, I wonder what Kevin Hart's like. I mean, seeing the don't f f this up. The um when you yep. worked with him, you know that was based on what he was going through at the time, but it more gave an yes. inner inner scope of his life his routine right and that's awesome so yeah it, it is it's really cool through all those uh celebrities i mean it's just a part of your gig where you live now you live in la yes so, still in la so how do you how is it like the life out in la compared to south milwaukee which i can only imagine it's not a hard question to answer <laughs> <laughs> um oh man it's different and it's the same in, in, in I, I can argue both sides, right? Um, you know, obviously th- th- there's a lot that's different. Like it, there's an ocean, there's not a lake, right? But like, it's all a body of water, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the, there's obviously way more people here than there are in like a city like Milwaukee or even like South Milwaukee, definitely. Um, you know, South Milwaukee, very quiet, small town. Everybody knows everybody. Yeah. LA, very loud, big town. You are very small fish in a very big pond, right? Yeah, and that's kind of crazy in itself, you know. Um, and and so it's interesting because you know um, I, I I I I still to this day there are times that I pinch myself that I'm in LA because it doesn't feel right at times. Like it feel right's the wrong word, but like it doesn't it doesn't feel real. Like at times it just doesn't feel like. I one day left Milwaukee and now I'm here. Oh, you know, sure. it's, it's very bizarre. Um, and, you know, to that, there also comes, and we kind of hit on this earlier, times where it's, it's a detriment that I'm not still in South Milwaukee. I've missed out on things by not being in yeah. SM. It sacrifices, um, you know. It sacrifices, you know. Like, for example, I didn't get to go to our 10-year reunion. Uh, the high school yeah. reunion um, because I was busy filming a show. I think I was in Hawaii at the time filming a show. Uh, and like, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining about filming a show in Hawaii because it was yeah, great. It was yeah, really yeah. cool. But like, would I have liked to have gone to our high school reunion? Yeah, it would have been cool, you know? Uh, and so that, I think that's the big difference is that you, you, when you're in Milwaukee, you can do the things you can, you can do those events and stuff. When you're out of Milwaukee, it becomes harder to do those things. And that becomes a, uh, a constant juggle, right? Yeah. Of trying to prioritize and trying to, you know, uh, make room for all those things to happen. You've won several awards, uh, most notably Milwaukee Press Club Award. 
uh, letters to Ashley, uh, Emmy Award for World War II documentary, The Last Signal. Could mm-hmm. you talk about those projects and the awards you won and what they meant to you? Yeah. So um, Letters to Ashley was kind of my first quote unquote bigger documentary that I did. Um, I've always loved documentaries because there are so many real life stories that we don't have to script. We don't have to make up. They're just stories in real life that we can go and find and follow. And so I've always had a knack for just telling actual stories of real life people going through real life stuff. Right. And so Letters to Ashley was an opportunity for me to tell um, a very deep story uh, about one of my best friends. His sister um, was brutally murdered uh, in her home just shortly after she graduated high school. Um, And they still, to this day, haven't found the killers. Um, And I'm actually working on a quote-unquote, you can call it a spinoff, but it's a a separate project kind of related to that documentary now. Um, But um, it's interesting because uh, this was a documentary that was very obviously very deep, heavy subject. And it was a chance for us. Yeah. And personal, right. And it was a chance for us to kind of go out there and really for me to try my hand at something this deep, this serious, um, a completely different tone from the stuff I'd done before. Um, and so I did this documentary and I put it out, uh, mainly for the family as a way to have kind of a, uh, call it a memento, a keepsake, a kind of tribute to yep. Ashley, their daughter, you know, um, but it was also a piece to kind of speak to the community and the involvement that they had had in what happened to Ashley in the days, weeks, months after she was killed. Um, and I was informed shortly thereafter that we were up for what they call the Milwaukee Press Club Award, which every year the press corps comes together and they kind of give out awards, kind of like Emmys, but like at a local level, right? Um, And they give away awards for documentaries and news stories and news anchors and all this kind of stuff. Uh, And every year they basically, there are three, usually for each category, there are three nominees. And everybody, if if you're on the list, you have won something. It's whether you're considered the top three. And then from there, they basically say one's going to win gold. One's going to win silver. One's going to win bronze. So obviously the goal would be to win gold. Yeah. Uh, but this is my first real documentary. Like the first thing that I had independently produced outside of high school. Um, and, you know, I went back to Milwaukee to do it, which was also special to go back to the hometown and kind of, you know, tell the story. And so it was just, you know, as they say in the industry, it was truly an honor just to be nominated. And it was, um, and I was up against some steep competition. I was in the category of best documentary. And one of the competitors was a documentary on PBS about the Beatles coming to Milwaukee. Wow. And, and so I was like, okay, well, clearly that's going to win gold. Um, and then there was another documentary. I think it was like about Vietnam or something that was also like um, this experienced filmmaker that had done it. And so I said, well, those are incredible projects. I watched them both. They were very well done. Um, and so I didn't go home for the Milwaukee yeah. Press Club Award. I, I I literally, I pulled the classic Hollywood move and I sent somebody in my place. Um, and so I sent a good friend of mine, his name is Mac Bates um, in, in Milwaukee. And I sent him to the show on my behalf and figured he would pick up my bronze platter and, you know, uh, yeah. he could ship it to me and that, sure. that would kind of be the end of it. And still cool and still an experience and all that. Um, and then the night of the award ceremony, I get a call from Mac and he goes, you won gold. 
And I was like, wait, what? Are you telling me we beat the Beatles? And he's like, you beat the Beatles. Wow. You, they, they came in like second place, but you came in first. And that was crazy because this was like a team. It's a PBS documentary with a team of like experience. Like these guys, you know, years, decades of experience. And I coming out with my first real doc had just kind of, you know, taken the prize. And it was such a shock. But again, fueled the fire, right? This has motivated me. And so then I became, well, this was awesome. How do I do something bigger? What what do I find next? And so I was on the hunt for a while. And then the next big documentary I did was called The Last Signal. Last Signal. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a World War II piece uh, about two guys that were in the war together that right after high school, they pretty much graduated high school and they jumped in to serve in World War II. They did a few years of service in the Navy um, on a ship called the LST-218. And after their time in the Navy, they both kind of went on to their lives and they went their separate ways. And that was that. Yeah. And 70 years later, one of these guys uh, now in their nineties, he's convinced that he's the last guy alive from his ship. And so with the help of his daughter, he posts uh, something on Facebook to say, I'm convinced I'm the only guy surviving from my ship. Yeah. You know, if anyone is out there that was prove me wrong. And it went viral and celebrities millions are tweeting this. Yep. Yeah. Millions of hits, right? And finally, uh, they find somebody that uh, was on that ship. And after going through all the records, we found that these were the only two surviving members from this ship. And so they planned a reunion. And so I was one of the many millions of people that saw that initial viral post. And I reached out to the family and said, can I do a documentary on this? Can I be a fly on the wall and watch this happen? And they said... Well, we've got a lot of competing offers. You know, Good Morning America is interested in the Today Show. And I said, sure, that's fine. I said, here's the thing. The Today Show, Good Morning America, they're all great. They're going to come in. They're going to do a two-minute piece. It's going to be right before the weather. They're going to say, look at this cute little, you know, veterans reunion. And then they're going to leave. And then you're never going to talk about it again. Wow. I'm in this for the long game. I'm in this for a deeper, more meaningful story, right? I'm in this for historical legacy style oh, value, sure. right? Homage. I mean, and you know, I, yeah, I, I was like, I want to be the fly on the wall. I want to be, you know, there, and I want to hear them tell their stories. And I don't just want to be there for a soundbite and a hug. I want to see it all play out. And I want to set the table beforehand and talk about the experiences that they had in the war and watch them in real time in today's day. Um, and you know, when they're both in their nineties, reminiscing about this very iconic time in American history. Um, and eventually the family said, yeah, you know, we, we've talked about it as a family and your, your pitch is absolutely the pitch we want to go with. Like you, you're doing this the right way. And, and we knew this was going to be a slow burn. This was a self-funded project. This was not backed by a studio. This was Kyle Olson and a camera and a few of his friends that I'd met throughout the years going out and making a doc. And so it was amazing. And it was, it it still is uh, one of the greatest experiences that I've had to date. Um, And it was so enriching and so rewarding. Um, And the, when the film was finalized, uh, we, we did like a premiere back in one of the hometowns of one of the vets. And that was when we knew we, it was like, we, we've got something special here. And so um, we sent it to a bunch of festivals. A lot of festivals declined it. And then there was a festival in Normandy called the uh, Normandy World War II Film Festival. Uh, and for the 74th anniversary of D-Day, they invited us to come out to France and premiere this film. Wow. And 
the cast of Band of Brothers was going to be on hand as the judges, which was huge for many reasons. And so that was that's how we premiered this documentary that I had like made with my friends, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so we 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 flew to 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 France, premiered this documentary in a house full of what were mostly French people, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in, <laughs> in, in, in a film, in a film, yeah, yeah, in a film that is in English with no French subtitles. And at the end, we had people coming up to us that only really spoke French. And they would pull out their Google Translate apps on their phones, and they would talk in French on the the, the app, and it would spit out the other side, you know, the English oh, yeah, equivalency. Sure, yeah. And, 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 and yeah, and, they, and they, they would say, they would say things like, we didn't understand like the, the dialogue, like every single word that was said. But even after watching your film and not understanding the words that were said, we understood everything that everything. happened in the film. Like we totally took away the the story. And I get goosebumps saying this story because like it, it, it was such a takeaway. Like it was such a moment. Um, and that was like, well, can't get better than that. Like we just did it. Yeah. And then we got another call and it was San Diego wants to do our U.S. premiere. And so we go to San Diego, uh, to Navy Pier San Diego, and we have our U.S. premiere. And it's like another incredible, even bigger packed house. You know, there's Q&As. It's, it's just incredible. Well, can't get better than that. And then we get a call in LA. We want to do an LA premiere. Okay, well, we do an LA premiere. And then after that, I started reaching out to the local stations. And I started reaching out to PBS affiliates around the country saying, yeah. would you like to take our documentary and air it? And traditionally speaking, you're backed by a studio, and this is a very easy thing. The studios kind of handle it. But when you're an independent thing, you got to kind of do the legwork yourself, right? And it's weird because, like, my day job, quote-unquote, is to work for all these studios, for all these big shows. But then this is kind of my side hustle project, right? So I'm just kind of out on the weekends just sending emails to all the PBS affiliates around the country saying, do you want to air my little documentary? And there was this one guy that responded to me and he said, thanks for sending your documentary. We'll look at this somewhere in the next 12 to 24 months and we'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool. Like we were kind of hoping that maybe somebody would bite by Veterans Day. And this guy just said that at the earliest, they're going to look at it in two years. Like, <laughs> and, and we were kind of, we were kind of defeated. And then that night I get a phone call and it's from the guy that had sent the email earlier. And he said, at the end of my day today, I was supposed to have a meeting from 4.30 to 5, and the meeting didn't happen. It got canceled. And so I clicked on your link to watch the first two minutes of the documentary, and I couldn't stop until I finished. Yeah. And I don't know if it's fate. I don't know what you want to call it, but I feel like this was destined to happen, and this has got to go on the air, and it's going to go on the air for Veterans Day. I just want... I'm sorry. I, I no, just, go ahead. No, I please. Wa- I want to say even, um, I know you're talking about the last signal, but even with uh, Letters to Ashley, it was it was very, 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 like, it got in my feels. I got emotional. I, I did, <clears throat> little tears came out. Um, yeah. I didn't know you were that close to that family, though. Um, yeah. That's, wow, that's even more deep. And I love you for that. Like, that's. That's great. The last signal, I will tell you like that. I was I was just thinking of those two men and just, you know, they're they're grandpas basically, you know, and yeah. Um mm-hmm. the story behind that and what you what you translated through that, I I'll tell you, I, I 
the emotion, the emotion and just mm-hmm. the, it, 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 it's a sense of pride in being from America, uh, a patriot, um, just, you know, a sense of loving that you're American. And with that, yep. with that documentary, it's, it was breathtaking. And I don't mean that any short of what I'm saying, it was really breathtaking watching that. Well, thank you, man. I, I just want yeah, to it say was... that and get, let you know <laughs> what I took. I appreciate that. Yeah, a lot of people were moved, you know, uh, and and we were moved while we were filming it. Like there were tears on set, you know, like it was it was a big deal. And so, you know, for us to have done the film festival circuit and to have the Normandy and to have the San Diego and all that, that was incredible. But then for PBS to finally call and say, we're going to put you on the air was next level. And then it was like, well, it can't get any better than this. (laughs) And then I got a phone call <laughs> Yeah, and the, the phone call that came in, I was working on the Kelly Clarkson show at the time and I, I was like on wow. set and I literally, literally get a call and I'm like, I don't know this number, this is some weird number, whatever, send a voicemail. And uh, a few minutes later, I'm like, take a, a step to the side and I listen to the voicemail and it's congratulations. You've just been nominated for an Emmy award. And I was like, whoa, whoa, like what? And obviously like, you know, the, the, the kind of Hillary Duff, like this is what dreams are made. Like this is what's going through your head, right? Like, like that, what this, this is the dream. Uh, And, and again, part of the reason that it was such a dream and that felt so difficult to obtain with a project like this, we were not backed by a studio. This was an independent project. Independent. We're up against all the major networks. We're up against underdogs. ABC, CBS, NBC. We are the underdogs, right? Like we are, we, the, if, if we were betting on horses, we would be last in the rankings. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like we, we were the horse that had no experience and had never played before. Like, you know, and, and so that was wild in itself just to get the nom. You know, again, we go back to the thing where it's like, it was truly an honor to be nominated. Right. And we, I even said at the time, I was like, I don't think I'm going to win because I'm up against all these incredible docs, but I'm now, you will never be able to take away from me that I am now Emmy nominated Kyle Olson. For sure. Like that, that, that in itself is worth its weight in gold. And then we go to the Emmys. (laughs) And at the Emmys, they, uh, that whole day, like, it's such a blur. But basically, what I kind of remember is that the ceremony starts. It's a long ceremony. And they're going through the categories. And they're getting closer to your category. And I know where my category is. My category was, like, smack in the middle of the night. And so they go through the categories one by one by one. And as it gets closer, my stomach starts doing somersaults. My head yeah. is spinning. I don't know what's going on. And we finally get to the category this is it this is the moment you know and the nominees are and they go through (laughs) and they do the thing and then this guy comes on stage uh, one of the hosts and he says and the emmy goes to the last signal and we had a table of people that were there including my friends my family uh we had people from the production uh one of the vets came and i when i tell you that like our table erupted oh i know (laughs) I, I actually can I play it? Is it all right to play it? Or sure, uh, yeah, by ready? all means. You ready? Let's do it. The Emmy goes to the last. 
I will keep this fast. Um, thank you, Mom, Dad, Tracy, Cheryl, John, everybody at Table 41 over there. Uh, Elliot Levitt, who was our editor, who's not here tonight. Marcus Taplin, our DP. They're all absolutely fantastic people. Uh, and it does take a team to make this happen. And I could not be more proud of the team that we have. Um, this is a documentary about two World War II veterans that, that learn that it's never too late to make history, even at the end of their lives. One of those veterans is watching us tonight from up in heaven, and the other, at 95 years young, is here tonight in our audience and is worthy of our thanks for his service to our nation. Thank you, John. World War II hero, hometown hero, John Heimsoff. There you go, Kyle May. Uh, that's yeah th that was a that was a cool moment that that uh what which you can't see uh obviously with this podcast but uh uh that when i was saying that the the audience erupts into huge applause and there was a standing ovation and it was the first standing ovation uh of the emmys that night which was very cool that it was for one of our guys can i just uh, do and, this for and, you? and well deserved can i just do this for you <laughs> standing ovation uh, you should take you should take pride in that man i i mean that's an accomplishment that's a not like no local like me or anyone around gets to say hey i'm an emmy winner when <laughs> when, when you said yes to this interview i i thought in my holy cow i have <laughs> on the lineup of interviews. Now these are talented people that have, I've watched yeah. from the mud come up, but right to say on the lineup, there's an Emmy winner, even like promoting it on the way to this interview today. It's just, you have to take a lot of pride in that Kyle, man. I mean, that's, that's yeah. a lifetime accomplishment. Not many get to say as far as the norm or the, the locals and norms and, and, Ah man, I, I'm I'm proud to say, hey, I went to school with this dude. I'm I'm proud to say that. Well, he, I appreciate that. Well, he he still considers me someone to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's really kind of you. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it 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 is like a lot of what was cool about the Emmy. Obviously, winning the Emmy is cool. Don't get me wrong. Um, and it was cool because, like you said, like we were the underdogs, right? Yeah. Um, but one of the the most beautiful things about winning the Emmy was all the people that kind of came out of the woodwork. Um, and that, uh, we're just genuinely, uh, proud and happy for me and reached out, you know, like yourself, um, and just, you know, wanted to give their best wishes and wanted to say, you know, Hey man, we've been watching you since high school and we think it's really cool what you're doing and you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and that, that really meant a lot. That was really, really cool. Uh, and it, it's something that sticks with me even now. Like that was, you know, cause again, like I did lose a lot of that after high school, I lost touch with a lot of people that I went to high school with and that sort of thing. And so to be able to have a little bit of that from this experience was, was really nice. It was really touching. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I got to say once again, um, that's something to be proud of. And I, I'm proud. Of, I'm just like, yeah, someone from South Milwaukee. <laughs> um, the pandemic hit hard. Um, yeah. A lot, a lot of people went without work. Um, especially during the lockdown. How did that oh, yeah. how did that affect you and um 
if you can, what are some positives that came from it? Because a lot of the time people want to talk about, oh, well, it was bad. It is. But I mean, in a sense, you got to hope for something good to come out of it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. The pandemic was wild for me um, because <laughs> I worked more in 2020 than I think I've ever worked before. Yeah. Um, what's crazy is that it kind of redefined how you could work. And in our industry, our industry is one of those few industries that like, you have to be at work. You can't, you can't work from home and create a TV show or a movie. You have to be on set. Right. Yeah. And so the, inter the entertainment industry was one of the first that like the studios started putting huge money into testing and making sure that we could do anything and everything possible to film safely throughout the pandemic. Um, I got to work on some projects during the pandemic that gave me access to things in my career that I will never have access to again. Um, and I can't really talk about all of them, but what was, what was interesting is just, you know, how everything overnight kind of changed yeah. and how we as people that work in the entertainment industry are being hired to go and tell very special stories about how COVID is impacting the world. Yeah. And we got to go to places that people just do not get to go and do not get to see. Um, and that was awesome. Um, and, and it was, it was absolutely crazy. I'll, I'll never forget, uh, you know, you know, kind of like how you remember kind of where you were when you heard about nine 11 and that sort of yeah, thing. Sure. I'll never forget where I was the night when we knew COVID was going to be a thing. Um, I was on the road traveling for a show that was going to hit a streaming network. Um, the show later got canceled. It never ended up getting made. Um, but the idea behind the show was it was a traveling show. We'd go all around the country and we were going to be solving like little mysteries. So like, you know, where is Bigfoot and where is the Loch Ness monster? You know, things yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, and we had just landed in Memphis, Tennessee. And that night for dinner, we went out to this barbecue joint uh, that like Elvis had eaten at and, you know, all this. And so we went to the, the barbecue joint and we're sitting down at the table. And while we're eating dinner, they bring on the, like they had the TVs like by the bar and they announced that NBA is canceling the rest of their season. And we were like, Ooh, yeah. that's interesting. And then within like the, within the hour, they said, and now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going live to the White House. President Trump is doing his first Oval Office address about coronavirus. And we were like, oh, wow. oh yeah. that's interesting. And so you're starting to kind of piece it together, right? Like, this is okay. This is a bigger deal than we thought. This isn't just the yeah. flu, right? This is, and, and then within an hour of that happening, breaking news, Tom Hanks has COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and... and what was wild about that is that we had been working with somebody who was related to Tom Hanks. Oh. And so all of a sudden, all, and we, we had just seen them days earlier. Ooh. And so all, all of a sudden we're like, Oh, oh my God, we bad. have the coronavirus. We have the virus, right? No. We, we, immediately, we, we immediately called this person. They were like, Hey, like, and she's like, I haven't seen him in months. Like we, we, we've been busy. He's been in Australia. We've been in the States. Like, you know, um, we, we don't have COVID, you know, God willing. And, and so we knew something was up that night, but then I was talking to my contacts at the studio and they're like, well, we're going to keep moving forward with the project. Uh, the only way we're going to cancel is if they start 
like shutting down the theme parks and things like that because you know that's when like that the sign that like something's really going on right like you know yeah. there's been like i think eight days in the history of disney that they like closed the parks and like you know one was like the day that like jfk was shot or uh, uh, yeah and yeah. like you know uh, like oh, yeah. big life altering events right and <laughs> the next day i get like a breaking news alert on my phone that says disneyland and universal studios to shut down for two weeks and immediately my representative from the studio calls and is like, we're pulling you guys off the road. We got to get back to LA. And so after a bunch of, you know, uh, trying to figure out how to get flights and get out of there and all that, we finally got back to LA. And the first few weeks was like everybody just trying to figure out what do we do now? You know, what, what do we do? Uh, and then started coming the calls. Hey, I need you to tell our story. We've been affected by the pandemic. Hey, I need you to tell our story. We've been affected by the pandemic. Um, one of the most heartwarming pieces I worked on during 2020 was a uh, project that is on HBO Max called Homeschool Musical. Yeah. And yeah. it was a, it was really cool. It was a project that basically um, a bunch of seniors, their senior year of high school, uh, that were in theater obviously missed out on their big opportunity sure. to have their senior musical, right? And so in the height of COVID, we were like, what if we gave these kids an opportunity, opportunity. to actually have their moment, their five minutes of fame? And what we did was we had to do it within the restrictions of COVID. So it was a lot of like filming in their front yards or filming in a park or like, you know, whatever it was. And we had to be like 100 feet away because this was still before the vaccine or anything, right? And so we set it up so that we could kind of remotely film these kids or from a very large distance film these kids performing their senior musical numbers. And it was so cool and so rewarding. And obviously, you know, you, you do something like this and it, it was, it was incredibly like a feel good kind of thing, oh, for sure. but it also makes you, you know, it makes you think like, gosh, I'm so glad that like, what would we have done? Yeah. If this was my senior year of high school, I don't know what I would have done. That that was a life altering event that like would I have gone to LA? Would I you know you you start to think and like you know and I even talked to my parents about it and they're like we don't know what we would have done. Like yeah. nobody know, you know. And so my heart just went out to those people that like had to deal with, you know, everybody during the pandemic had to make tough choices, right? But, you know, parents of young kids and teachers especially, and obviously the medical community, you know, for sure, but like had to make incredibly difficult choices. And it was such a pleasure to be able to highlight a lot of those stories during that year yeah. um, that became such a defining moment in what will obviously go down as history. Right. Um, and yeah, that was, that was really special. And that was a, a huge, you look back at it now, even, even though it's only been a year or two. And like, mm -hmm. that was a huge positive. Like that was a huge yeah. opportunity to be a part of something that was bigger than ourselves. And that was really, really cool. Yeah. That 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 is awesome, man. I I actually, my son was born in the midst of it. Uh, he was born in April. Wow, it was right. So I actually, right after, yeah. Uh, thankfully, we had an emergency fund that we had, so I saw it yep. was only best to. I took off, and um, we we were able to manage. Um, make it through, yeah. Make it through. Um, uh, my youngest Arlo, he uh, his when we were in the hospital um you couldn't leave your room it was just you know right you get what i mean um, oh yeah but a positive that came out for me was the birth of my son and just um, you had a, you had a son yeah <laughs> and, and really having um 
I think I got to spend time with my family. So more time than you had had before. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. And that that's a lot of it, right? You know, I that year I actually went home to Milwaukee in 2020 more than I had the last six, seven years combined. Yeah. Um, because I had the opportunity to work remotely and to work from home. And so I would go home and hang out with my parents and, you know, spend time with mom and, you know, that kind of thing, because it was, you know, uh, an opportunity where you could do that. Yeah. So that was cool. That was very special. What have you been working on recently? <laughs> um, yeah, here we go. <laughs> here a a we little go. sneak peek behind the curtain, right? Uh, the most re- one of the most recent things that I'm working on. There's a few that, like, you know, I'd have to kill you if I told you. But uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the mo- one of the, one of the most recent things um, that just started airing was, of course, HBO Max's House of the Dragon, um, which is very very cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, outside of that, um, I actually have been working on a podcast um, that is a bit of a spinoff of the Letters to Ashley documentary that we did years ago um, that is basically uh, setting off on a, a true crime podcast journey, because uh, it really is, journey is the best word for this, um, of trying to put the pieces together and solve the puzzle of who did this yeah. uh, incredible, you know, uh, heinous murder uh, to this innocent 19-year-old gal from Milwaukee. Um, and it's been a, a labor of love and a, a project that has been kind of working in the back, uh, the background and the back burner, if you will, yeah. uh, for the last few years. This has been years in the making. Um, but it has been, while it has been one of the most challenging projects I've ever done, it's also been one of the most fulfilling. Um, and I'm really excited for it to come out. We are aiming for it to come out before the end of this year, which is great. Um, and so I, I'm looking forward to getting out the full story. Uh, you know, you always hear the news clips and they tell a two minute story and that's yep. kind of all you get for the year. Yep. Uh, but this will be an opportunity to go even deeper. Um, and what's nice and exciting for myself is it's something that's a little outside out of my comfort zone. Um, you know, obviously I, I tell stories kind of for a living and like I've done a lot of documentaries. I've never done a podcast despite people saying yeah. from a young age that I've got a voice for radio. Uh, and so You're doing this great. will be a neat opportunity. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. This will be a neat opportunity for me to kind of expand uh, and ex- uh, just kind of discover something new in my own portfolio. Um, while also doing something that's a, a cause near and dear to my heart. Um, so as people are listening to this podcast, I hope that they will check out my upcoming podcast. Oh, uh, we've got a website, uh, loveandjusticepodcast.com. Uh, uh, the podcast will be called Love and Justice. We've got a Facebook page and all that as well. Um, but it'll it'll be coming out uh, this year, and uh, we're, we're really excited to get the word out, get the story out, and ultimately... We want to get people talking because it's been over 12 years since this uh, murder happened and it's about time we solve it and not just for the family and not just because she deserves justice, um, but because the community deserves uh, a bit of justice and closure as well, you know, so... I do want to offer that, want to let you know. The cool thing about, like, these interviews I do, I do, even when, um, you know, whoever I interview, even after the interview... When they have new things coming up, I do advertise that. So d- let me know. Um, I will push. Yeah, I'll keep you posted. I will push that. I'll be, you know what I mean? And it, it's, um, this is a, this podcast is a sense to bring pride back to Milwaukee and, and, and its surrounding yeah. areas, you know? And, um, you know, when I heard the story about Ashley, you know, it's just, wow, how, like, yeah. um, 
you there's you can only understand that I have so many questions. So I'm actually interested to when this does come out because I want to. We're going to answer a lot of those yeah. <laughs> on the podcast. But, yeah, absolutely. Don't worry. Um, as soon as uh you uh, as soon as that's making its release. Send it my way, and I will push it through my page at least, you know? Um, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. A a anything we can do to spread the word because it's, you know, it's a noble cause, and we're just, we're trying to, you know, uh, uh, solve this case, you know? So I appreciate that, man. Yeah. So is this career of film production something you'll pursue for life? Oh, yeah. Without question. Uh, this this is ingrained in my in almost every fiber of my being. Right. Like people know me as the guy that is making films and TV shows. And, you know, uh, I consider myself uh, first and foremost a storyteller. This is what I love to do. I love telling stories. I love doing it through a visual medium and, you know, pushing boundaries of other ways we can tell stories as well. But, um, yeah, this is it. This is I, I am I am full in you know the whole deck is here yeah um and it has been a huge part of who i am and will continue to be a huge part of who i am as i move forward uh in my career and in my life um because yeah that's that's yeah it, it, it's always been the dream and i'm one of the the fortunate ones that can say yeah. i am actually living the dream you know you are uh, and <laughs> I, I i yeah and i i never you know i never take that for granted you know, there are a lot of people in this industry that we go on set and anytime we're on set, I will get excited. I get excited just like, like today yeah. I will be just as excited to go on set as I was the first time I walked on set. Right. And there are so many people in this industry that I work with where they're like, Oh, whatever, man, it's just another day on set. <laughs> like whatever. It's just, you know, duh, duh, duh. and I'm like, dude, you don't get it, man. Like, this is what I've always wanted, wanted to do. To and do. the fact that I'm doing it and still doing it and like it changes daily, like it, it, I, I cannot describe how awesome that is. And like the fact that I get to do that, it will always be uh, a huge blessing and something I am remotely uh, or incredibly grateful for. Like it, it just, uh, yeah. it, it's I can't even describe it. It's that's how cool it is. <laughs> you know, and and you you speaking that way, um, it just like with me with these interviews I do, I can yeah. It's just I love them. I love them. I love hearing these stories. I love here picking people's brain, stepping into their yeah. world, and getting a glimpse of what that's like. Just uh, in the beginning, in the intro, thousands of hours put into yeah. Tens of thousands for you. I mean, come on. Like you've you've sent fifteen years in the May not even before that. It's um yep. it, it's it's crazy to think. So with that being said, um yeah. what type of legacy are you are you trying to leave behind? Oh man. Um this is an interesting question because like legacy gets talked about a lot in our industry, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of different ways people look at legacy. Um, I don't know if I have that answer fully figured out yet. I know I've got goals. I've still got things that I want to accomplish. And those things definitely attribute to and help 
the legacy, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, like it, it sounds crazy and it sounds as ambitious as can be, but like, I still want to win an Oscar one day. Like, you know, like yeah. I got the Emmy, I want the Oscar. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I would love to have a star on the walk of fame one day. And like, you know, that doesn't mean I want to be famous like Tom Hanks, because I actually don't want to be famous. like Tom Hanks. <laughs> uh, uh, I have no interest in being as famous as Tom Hanks, but, but I want to be, you know, known and respected for my career. Um, you know, I, I want, want people in South Milwaukee when they go to the high school to be like, oh yeah, there was a guy that graduated high school here that, you know, went off and, you know, became one of the most respected and, you know, maybe even well-known storytellers of a generation. Like, you know, those are the things that like, you know, ultimately mean a lot to me, you know, uh, is, uh, just being able to kind of pass a torch for stories. Yeah. Um, I, I look at any project that I take on as an opportunity to archive a moment in time. And the projects that I love the most are the ones in which uh, something very special happens that maybe not everybody heard about. The last signal is a perfect example of this, right? Yeah. Like there was a very special reunion that happened that like, it never made news. It never made mainstream, but like, it's this very special thing that happened that like, I'm so glad to have captured because people are better off for having seen it and experienced it. Right. Yeah. And so I kind I look at that for every project I do is like, how can I, find a way to encapsulate something here that is a time capsule so that when people go back to this years later, they can look at this, they can watch this and they can say, wow, that was a really special thing. That was a really special moment in time. And even going really back to 007, my, my senior year of high school film, yeah. you know, in and itself that, that also checks that box, right. Of this is something special and something different and, and something that you can look back at years later, uh, with a bit of reverence and, you know, uh, uh fondness and memories and nostalgia and you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so that, that's, I think a huge part of the legacy for me is like, I just want to keep doing that. You know, I want to tell the stories and get it out there. And I want people to, you know, continue telling me their stories so that I can go out and tell more stories myself, you know, like I, yeah. like you, you know, yeah. like it, it, this, this in itself is storytelling at its finest. Right. Yeah. And so trying to find the the best ways to do that yeah. is all that I love and am passionate about and have been and will continue to be. So who knows, man? I mean, they got the PAC one day. They might say, Hey, let's rename this to Kyle Olsen. Hey, manifest that dude. <laughs> <laughs> manifest that dude you start the <laughs> it's funny when i went I, I got invited back in early 2020 to south milwaukee to film a commercial yeah, for I the city that. of south milwaukee yep. okay yeah yep. uh and we filmed a bunch of it at south milwaukee high school mm -hmm. and while we were there um I, I think you might remember when i was in high school i refounded the av club yep. that we had at the school it had been the first time since the 80s that we had the AV club back in uh, South Milwaukee High. Yeah. And during my time in my one year, I had helped work on getting a grant um, as a senior, uh, or I think I was a junior at the time, uh, with some of the teachers. We got grants because uh, we were able to convince some people to give us money to like oh, yeah. buy film equipment and like editing stuff and whatever. And we made like, when I say it was a film studio, I mean, we're talking like 
<laughs> it, it's not the film studio like of my dreams by any stretch, but like it was a studio and it, it did a thing, right? Um, and now they've got like a full broadcast studio. They do their morning announcements on the TVs and like all the stuff that like I had dreamed of doing, but we could not do because we just didn't have the technology and you know all the stuff at the Holy time. And it was wild. And so Ante Udovic and uh, Mr. Silbernagel, Tom Silbernagel, we, there, there were a few of us there and yeah. I got a tour of it all. And they were like, yeah, we, we kind of unofficially call this like the house that Kyle built because like we took what you had started with the yeah. AD club and it became a studio. And like, we, we ran off of that energy and like, I had always had a dream of like putting the morning announcements and so, cause I don't know if you remember, I did yeah, the morning yeah, announcements sure. in I high remember. school. Mm-hmm. My dream was always to do that, but on TVs and all the classrooms. Mm-hmm. And now that's what they're doing. I did not like, know that. Uh, I didn't. Isn't that crazy? South Milwaukee. Well, I, um, it was a couple of years after we graduated when I moved back, um, I did a custodial job at Oak Creek for a little bit and I saw that they had yeah. a studio and I'm like, I wish I made Oh yeah. There theirs was there when we were in high school. Yep. When we were in high school, the the way we the way we got the grant was we it was myself and uh Mr. Silvernoggle. Yeah. We went to Oak Creek and we saw their film studio. It's and crazy. I I yeah. my mind was blown. Theirs yep. is so cool. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is what I want for South Milwaukee. And so we wrote the grant and like to get what they had, you needed like a hundred thousand dollars. And we oh, got like a grant for, I don't know, maybe 10 or 20, mm-hmm. but like it was still a start and it was still really cool, but it wasn't, you know, the, the ultimate dream, but now they're doing it. They're doing yeah. the ultimate dream. They're broadcasting football games and graduations and all this stuff that like was only a dream when I was in high school. Yeah. So it's, it's fun to see that kind of you talk about the you know a little bit of like legacy and just the yeah. like <laughs> it, it's it's cool to see that part of it you know well, times have changed man and i'm i'm happy that <laughs> um you know we had this time to you know reflect um see yeah. each other's growth um i do want to embarrass you a little bit right now so i'm, I'm going to do this on behalf of the people who sponsor oh my god <laughs> I want everyone. Oh my god! 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 This is so embarrassing. Okay, so what Xavier is holding up right now is our senior yearbook, and Uh, in the senior yearbook, oh my god, this is so embarrassing. In the senior yearbook, um, families were allowed to purchase like, like kind of like a billboard, like they could buy real estate in the yearbook. Yeah, and. Of course, my parents were like, well, we're going to buy some. And it was very sweet. And it's yeah. still adorable. But they literally, I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, you can look, but like, I think mine's the first one. Like, yeah, yours, yeah, yeah. The, yours started yeah. The, the whole thing. I'm like, uh. Which is crazy. And does yours, my yearbook doesn't have this because there was something wrong with when they printed mine. But does yours have on the front and back cover the story of the class of 2007? Yes. On the inside back cover where it says like, it talks about like, it, it would have said things yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, oh, Xavier yeah. Mercado, you know, worked with so-and-so who yep. worked with this person who played tennis with that person. And like, it was, it was this crazy like story and For how sure. the entire class of 2007 was connected. Excited. And I, I, I was so excited yeah. about that story because it went through and like, I'm reading all the names of everybody and like how they're connected. And it, it, it was, it was really well done. Like whoever did that was, it was really, really 
really cool. And and at the end, the the final line was, um, and you know, and and so and so who worked with Brandon Clever, who is friends with Kyle Olson, who made a film about the senior oh. class of 2007. <laughs> it um, well, this isn't the original one I had at high school. But it was because that's the story. That's it. Yeah, yeah that's it. That right I, I can see you looking at it now. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, like the last yeah. line is like, and, and and Kyle made a film about the the graduating class of two thousand seven, yeah. and it was. <laughs> yeah, it's right here. Allison Height, who was taught by Co uh, Coken, just like Jennifer Perkins, who had Jim with um, Brent Hagen, who graduated with Kyle Olson made a movie that was dedicated to the class of 2007 ah man yeah, Kyle. And that was it that's how it ended right yeah. and so it was cool because it showed like how we were all kind of you know connected and like man. it was like one of those special things it's funny because i dug out my yearbook before this too because i was like oh man and like whew, memories, some of those man. like <laughs> the nostalgia flowing and i know a lot of people that are listening to this are people that you know we uh spent a lot of time with in school well, sure. so i'm i'm excited to hear what they think about this but i think it's pretty cool so it definitely um i will do my best uh, uh, my me my team um yeah i i gotta thank the man behind the camera uh his name's omar Lizana. yeah big shout out to them um he's the one who did the spearhead commercial oh very good okay uh, very yeah nice. so um Shout outs to you. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I appreciate this, Kyle. I um I want you to understand you have a friend in me for life, and I wish you nothing but um success in any endower you do. Um I mean, uh, I think uh the sky is an understatement for you because you're you're basically <laughs> galaxies away now. But um I'm very proud to say I know you. Uh, a, a bit better now and I'm, pr yeah. I'm proud to also say that um I was able to you know just express to you um you know I I, I cringe at the past but I'm uh, just grow growth you know so um yeah. I'm happy that you well, came thank you, man. on here I am actually going to make the outro your Emmy speech and uh with oh, that wow. um thank you for coming on I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. This. It's been a pleasure. It's been really fun. This has been a nice trip down memory lane. Man, you the man. <laughs> All right, Kyle. <laughs> I'll talk to you. Thanks, buddy. This was an honor and a thrill of a lifetime. This movie has taken us all over the world to share this incredible story of these incredible veterans, and we need to do everything we can to support these veterans. Thank you very much. 